Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of, of course, China. My name is Fernando, and I'm Ziv, and his name is Tim Page. I got it right this time. Tim, how are you? <laughs> yeah, good, thanks, good, man. good. All right, cool. Um, Ziv, why don't you give us a short introduction of of Tim? Yeah, yeah, Tim Page. <laughs> so Tim Page is、uh, from Australia. He graduated university from IT and Japanese. Then he joined、uh, Nintendo. He was lucky enough to be on their first team in Australia, one of the first guys. And from there, from there, he continued to EA Sports, doing video games, which we're going to talk a lot about. And、uh, and after、uh, some more time traveling the world,、uh, scouting for、uh, gamers and video games, he moved out to Netherlands. And or to Japan and Netherlands. You lived in Japan and yeah, in Netherlands, right? Then going back to Australia. This is a fast-forward kind of introduction, <laughs> right?、Okay. Uh, joining THQ. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then later on in 2008, he moved to China, to Shanghai, to be exact, with、uh, two very little kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my daughter was just over three months old. My son was just over、uh, over a year, basically. So I was with with THQ, and we were. Basically, we're expanding ourselves into the Asian market. We opened the office in Japan and also opened in Korea, and then、uh, we decided to open office in Shanghai. And I thought, instead of traveling all the way from Melbourne, Australia, going up and doing these long leg tours and having the whole、right. thing, I thought, you know, now's a good chance, an opportunity to move up there and get closer、right. to where the action was. And today we are here, sitting in this coffee shop called、uh, Good Days. But why are we here? I think that's question number one. <laughs> right, Tim. Why? Why? Well, good Days is almost like G'day. 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 <laughs> close when I saw、right. it. I didn't want to spell check and fix it because it's, it's a good coffee, basically. <laughs> right. Look, it's it's just by accident. Like my my office is upstairs up here, with, uh-huh. uh, and uh, I was always looking for good coffee. Like I'm from Melbourne, Australia.、Mm-hmm. We love coffee. We got coffee on every street corner there is, and you know, Starbucks is not great. You know, and and other coffee shops that are here. Sorry to just Starbucks <laughs> like that, but but、uh, you know, it's in search of good coffee, and I just luckily came to this place.、Uh, Adam, who、uh, who owns a joint here, and it just made an. Excellent cup of coffee. You said you told、it's、me it's the best、excellent. coffee shop in Dongguan. Best I can find、oh. in Dongguan. Yeah, yeah. absolutely、mm. the best. Yeah, he imports his beans. He's very careful about the whole thing, and just I haven't found a better coffee shop yet. And the boss came from Starbucks. You said he did. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's a young guy. Got trained at Starbucks, learned the business and how to make coffee, and and really how to run a business. And then, like a lot of young Chinese, you know, they got entrepreneurial, decided to open his own coffee shop, and you know, it's it's been a great success. And he's doing good. He's doing yeah, well. Yeah, he's doing、right. good. Yeah, he's、right. doing pretty good now. He gets a good crowd in here. All right, we ordered a couple of coffees. It could be a couple of minutes before they bring them <laughs>、right. here. I tried the coffee yesterday.、Um, pretty good. Pretty pretty, pretty good. good. I had Colombian coffee, which is very much the way. What a surprise! Yeah, I did tell him to spell it right because everywhere around China, people spell it with an U. Yeah. I say, hey, please, we didn't owe. You're so perfectionist it's, it's about not, everything. This is the progress. <laughs>、yeah. This is China's progress. They still spell it wrong, but at least the coffee is damn good. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But、uh, it will take me a few years、uh, going one coffee shop at a time to tell them to spell it right, until we get it fine. All right.、Um, so, Tim,、yeah. let's get back to your、coming、the beginnings. To, yeah, coming to China. Yeah, coming to China.、Wow. Why? Why did you come to China? Right. Well, like I said, I was at THQ, and、uh, you know, we basically opened the office, and it was a good opportunity then to to get closer to where the market was. We were doing a lot more at the time,、uh, online games and mobile games. You know, looking back, this is well, you know, late two thousands. Online games was just exploding in Asia. It was exploding in Korea, starting to explode in China. So, though it's a good chance for us、uh, to really, you know, being a U.S. kind of global company that was traditionally doing video games and handheld games. 
we needed to get into the online gaming space and there's no better spot to be ground zero close enough to be able to do that. So mm -hmm. we did. So I opened it up here. That was THQ. We built development teams here. We built publishing sales teams here. Um, you know, we, what we tried to be able to do in the beginning was grab some of our popular, well-known licensed products mm -hmm. like Company of Heroes and products like that and bring them to the Asian market, culturalize, kind of, you know, localize it. Yeah, it wasn't just actually taking the game and, and localizing it. We actually built a lot of components from the ground up to really suit the local marketplace here. So okay. we did that for, for a WWE game, we did it for a Company of Heroes, uh, you know, a strategic type game as well. It was great because we... You know, we had to collaborate with some Chinese developers at the same time to really learn how to culturalize games and build things up that would be much more suited to the uh, to the local markets. Well, and we did. It was, it was great fun. What, cool. was, was what, really what, fun. what were the Thinking challenges? The <laughs> what were the challenges um, oh, that you expected well, and you, maybe that you didn't expect? <laughs> language, all, of course, was, right? You know, I remember sitting and we used to bring some of the, uh, like the core studio we had was in Canada. So we'd bring a group of these guys over, like, you know, eight guys from Canada who were, who were part of the core team. And then the studio itself is like, you know, 100 people sort of thing big. We'd bring like you know, eight of the core people over here. We'd sit with the Chinese development team on the other side, the core group, you know, core programmers, art designers, and, and you know, just game designers and stuff like that. And just, I can remember sitting in this room out in, the, in Shanghai where we were at the time and just staring at each other and, and nobody knew how to speak to each other. Like, <laughs> like you got Chinese on one side and you know, Western on the other side. And, and you know, we ended up getting some pretty good translators to help mm -hmm. us. But back in the day, you know, people didn't have that bilingual school. Of course, yeah. now it's much more prominent between game developers here in China. And, and even from overseas, but you know, we, it was a rough start, say the least. How did you overcome the, that issue? The Perseverance, <laughs> like extreme, you know, the, the thing, I give credit to the, to the guys that came across, uh, you know, were joining me on the, on the project because they learned patience. You just gotta have patience at the beginning, right? Yeah. You, you gotta learn that. They're gonna think a little bit differently here. You have to understand the cultural nuances that happen here, and even aside from the languages and just, Give them space to express themselves. Yeah. Don't just try to dominate over that because they're trying to do exactly what you're trying to do is make, you know, make a successful game for here. What are some of those um, localization features that, that you had to do? Could you give us an example of, of what kind of things you had to change <laughs> to localize the stuff? Well, for the Company of Heroes was a great one. It's a World War II game, right? Uh -huh. So it's all set in, uh, you know, it's tank plays and, and uh, you know, we have allied versus Axis, right? It's mm -hmm. supposed to be kind of, you know, the, the you know, Western versus the, the German side of it. Of course, on being a fairly realistic style game, we had things like swastikas and things like that, which uh -huh. was on the actual tanks and certain uniforms. And of course, China here is opposed to having those kind of uh, symbolisms and things oh, like okay. that. So we had to go through all the artwork, scrub all that out there, both voice, uh, written, uh, artwork, anything that may be, you know, just... Deemed as inappropriate. Deemed as, yeah, not, not, yeah, not appropriate for here. Mm, so, yeah, so already back that. then, there was a, a lot yeah. of enforcement by yeah. the authorities for these kind of things? Yeah, definitely. Like, the government's always been trying to force, and they've gotten stronger uh, over, the, over the last kind of 12 years uh, with their policies and rules. But back then, it was a little bit, little bit challenging because you had two kind of government bodies that were separated, and they have their own opinions about how games should be. So you kind of had to convince one, then you had to convince the other one. Huh. Is it like the culture department and the information kind department? Of, yeah, something yeah. like one that, that right? Kind of entertainment and culture, right. and the other one that was kind of growing up looking after games and stuff like that. So it just, yeah, it was a fun kind of going back and forward. And then there's no rule book at the time, 12 years ago, like, just give me a book I can go through and tell me what to take out. It just didn't exist. So yeah. You just had to be guided by... You know, you submit the game to the government. Go, is this okay? What are you guys <laughs> talking about this okay? one? <laughs> so you you so were running the office. You were the yeah. the guy, right? Yeah, and and you had time, mostly. Yeah. So you're the only foreigner in the office full time. No, we had, we had a couple other guys you which had, had come across the, from uh, from the U.S. market as ah, well. Okay. Uh, plus a lot of the Chinese staff we organized as well. Right. 
Well, I was looking after the kind of kind of Asian needs. So I had, uh, you know, we had an office in Tokyo as well, also an office in Seoul. So you so traveled around still? Every month. It's yeah. almost like one week, one week, one week, going backwards and forwards. You know, and, just and why did you choose Shanghai? You know, it's a funny thing. I never in my life ever thought I'd end up in China. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I studied, you know, back in the days, you know, I studied Japanese language right. and, and computers and things like that. And I just, I never thought, I always thought I'd live in Japan. And I mm -hmm. did for a couple of years. And then it's just by opportunity, by default. I, uh, you know, we, we kind of grew things up at a, at a pretty fast pace. And we knew China was changing quickly, yeah. particularly in the gaming space. They were still little. Uh, Twelve years ago, they, they weren't the big gaming behemoth that they are today but we knew this country is going to grow pretty quickly we got to be there at ground zero to watch this and try to learn from this whole thing um so you know just the company then you know we do had a discussion <laughs> so they saw the market yeah look I, I i put a proposal together myself and i said like i need to be closer to the action and you know, we ran it up through the through the high management i said look this is a great idea it's worth the investment so right. tim uh off time. You, you you moved to shanghai <laughs> in 2008 uh you had a wife Two very little kids. Still have, yeah. Yeah. How, how, <laughs> now they're not so little now, right? So how how was the process? How can you describe? Like, uh, did you uh, oh. your wife? Did your wife accept it? And, and all of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Really think back. Look, we we had no expectations. Like I said, I'd, I'd never been to China before. Uh, I didn't really. Here's to be our honest, coffee. Ooh, I didn't coffee. Yeah. Good day. Good day. This one is. Cappuccino. 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 Cappuccino is right there. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Best mine. coffee in Dongguan. Thank you. <laughs> Good day. Yeah. Good day. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Swagger. Swagger. Yeah. 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 So I can't just thinking back, and it was it was it was all it was also fast at the time. Like like I kind of pitched the whole thing together, and the whole idea was like, okay, you got to go. Like, oh shit. Okay, so. You know, we, we decided to hook up with an HR company to help uh, help meet us. You know, we flew up with the family. My my son was he was about a year old. My daughter was not born at the particular time. We first came up to have a look. Uh -huh. So my wife was heavily pregnant, like seven, eight months pregnant. You know, out to here. And we thought, shit, we got to get up and have a look and just check some apartments out. And, and we were trying to set the office up at the same time. And it was, I can still remember, it was like the middle of summer. It was like July, like this, just hot. Hot, yeah. yeah. It's super hot, so... In Shanghai, it was wet, it was raining, it was thunderstorms. I had no idea where we were going. We didn't have f smartphones or oh, anything yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, at the time, yeah. Yeah, 2008, there was... First there was, iPhone, huh? You know, we, <laughs> we had nothing fancy like that at all. And, yeah. you know, we, we looked at a couple of apartments, eventually found the place we like, which is Luja's Way, which is kind of a cool place with the nice cool towers. It looks really nice. So that's where the expats were? Not really, to be honest. Is it Pudong? Just, just, you yeah, mean? Pudong. It's Pudong. Just on the other side. So you see all those... Shanghai's interesting. You got the, the main river, the Hong, Hongpu River, that yeah. goes through. You got the old side, kind of like yeah. the French, French colonial Well, French concession in the middle of Shanghai, but you got the old French and, and English kind of colonial along the riverside. Yeah, and yeah. the other side is like out of the Jetsons. It's just yeah. awesomely, you know, cool tall buildings. So we <laughs> said that looks cool. That looks, you know, it was in the other side of Shanghai. It's really cramped. You live very mm -hmm. close together, mm -hmm. whereas the other side was new. It was only about 15 years old. That development area, mm -hmm. so all the buildings were new. The streets a little bit wider. We thought that's nice. You know, I can take the, the ferry if I want to go to the work. I can take a, you know, a car underneath or a subway system. Nice. Um, but uh, How was the, uh, how was, I mean... But it was, it was, it was kind of terrifying because my, my wife was having troubles with the baby at the time, right? Oh. A, little bit of, a little bit of bleeding. So we're like, oh shit, we got to go to a hospital. Quickly rushed to a hospital. We went to a Western-style hospital. And uh, they were like, oh, that's it. You know, you've got to go straight to Hong Kong, get in a helicopter, $100,000. you got to fly out there to go the whole thing. We're like... What the hell? Oh. It just completely panicked, right? And then uh, we decided to then uh, go to another hospital, a local Chinese hospital. Uh huh. Actually, the best thing we did, but it was it was terrifying because 
you know, none of us uh, spoke Chinese at the time, you know, because we're just fresh off the boat, so to speak. Went to the hospital there and we just tried to work our way through it. We had no helpers or assistance, but we managed to get there, got my wife into a ward there. And, you know, there's a doctor there, was great, spoke a little bit of English, got us settled, you know, looked after her for a couple of days. But I remember going home that night, you know, this hospital, like a Chinese hospital, it's like a World War II bunker. These things are just, just massive right. and things like yeah. that. And, and I remember getting back to the hotel and I've got my son and it's raining and he's crying. I'm like, I have no way to contact her. Yeah. Just isolated back So this there, why right? it was really the first days? This is the front, like we we hadn't moved in yet. We we're just looking at looking. properties. Ah, and then we, we didn't know anyone yet. Didn't know anybody yet. But so. even 2008, I mean, even in Shanghai, you say English was not very not so prominent. I mean, today prominent. everyone speaks speaks, yes. speaks great English here, but right. back then it was just nuts. And look, we got through, and eventually the doctors looked don't panic, rest for a couple of days. We got on a plane, came back to Australia, and about a week or two, my daughter was born. How do you right, handle so, that but, situation? But could you imagine the panic of like yeah ah, yeah? How do you handle the like? Who do I believe? Because you got the Western hospital telling you, go to Hong Kong, $100,000, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Chinese guy, like, it's going to be okay. Just, you know what, the, I mean, the Chinese doctor... The Western hospital is, is foreigners, you mean? Yeah, it was, it was foreign doctors okay, and, and okay. local doctors okay. and, and things like that. But, I mean, we, we just didn't know, but we... She felt calmer by the other doctor that she went to at the other hospital because that guy's probably delivered like, you know, 100,000 babies, right? That day, right? You it's believe, just, you it's just like the, a machine. You believe the guy that doesn't tell you to spend 100,000 <laughs> on a helicopter. Like, I'll go with that guy. Didn't seem necessary at the time. <laughs> yes. But I, look, I just my wife felt more relieved. She, she The guy spoke some English. She just felt more comfortable. Mm -hmm. She felt she was in good hands. Yeah. Right? Even though English was a little bit broken back then, she just felt much better and relieved, right? And that was the main thing. And, okay. And so we're able to get in that plane and, and get. But back that's that's one of those interesting situations so, that you get. It's a horrific experience. When we first kind of got. You get in. into when you when you decide to move to China. Like like somebody tells you something, somebody tells you something else. Like when when I have we have this sorry, all the time. Story. Like yeah. all the time. I had appendicitis, right? Yeah. What I thought was appendicitis, and the guy said like, "Oh, the surgery is this much," <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." And then I talked to Natalia, Natalia uh -huh. Fernandez, the the Colombian doctor, doctor yeah. and I said like. What do you reckon? Like, well, if you don't have a fever and you don't have this and this, then perhaps it's not. So I talked to them like, so why don't I have a fever? Why these numbers are like this? I'm like, if you want, we can give you antibiotics. And I'm like, so if it's appendicitis, I could die, but you're going to just let me go with pills. You really is so hard to yeah, know. Yeah, when I when believe. I got my, uh, I was just telling you my sudden deafness, right? Yeah, oh, yeah right yeah, yeah. here. And I went to the doctor. Huh? What? I went to the hospital. <laughs> they check, and the guy tells me you got sudden deafness. And I'm like, get out of here. What do you know? You know, because I never, I never, I never heard so he about left. this thing. So he just walked out. <laughs> I walked out. I walked. He said you should start treatment right away. What? Later, later I discovered he was, yeah. he was right. I think the, I can't hear him. But you see, <laughs> but he was right, right? Yes. And I should have started treatment. And then I went to uh, Hong Kong to check. They told uh -huh. me the same. And then I went to another hospital here. By the time I, I started treatment for this a condition, it was a bit late, right? Mm. So, uh, you know, different situation. We all have these kind of things where lots of stories like we that have to like that. listen to people and it's use our judgment, look at the internet. Do you think it's the same in the West? Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of the same as Australia. If you go to a, just a bad doctor, right? You just, yeah. you just don't feel comfortable. Right, you go right. get a, how many people tell you, go get a second opinion, right? So yeah, yeah. it's the same kind of thing. But Yes, we'll get a you know, at least here, there's a contradictory voice. At least here, you know, a, with the magazine, a lot of hospitals here, right? With, <laughs> you can get a lot of With the opinions. magazine here, a lot of people ask me over the years, which hospital should they go yeah, to? Yeah, which yeah. is that's, the best? That's a good question. And I always say, look, I've heard good and bad things about 
each hospital, about every hospital. Pretty much every hospital. So, I mean, it really depends, like you said, about, you know, I had a doctor. I had a massive accident years ago. Uh, what should I say? Massive. I got, I, got, I got knocked out by a dumpling. That's a good story. You like, you like this well, one, Knocked right? down by dumpling. Yeah, like, like I, I do contact sports. I play rugby. I do all kinds of shit. And I've never been knocked out in my life except by a dumpling, right? So uh, You mean that's a nickname for a guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Big Chinese guy came at me. Just boom. That was a down. <laughs> but... Uh, so I'll tell you the story. Right? <laughs> so I, I, had, I had my own. So when I when I left THQ, right, I I opened my own. Yeah, I had this whole indie spirit, right? And like everybody back then, we're not going to pull this off, are we? <laughs> so I just I opened my own game studio, and and that was probably one of the most scariest and the most exciting times of my life. Opening my own studio, it was, it was called T Rex yeah. Games, right? And I just thought you know, everyone around the world was getting into the indie spirits and, and doing mobile games. I thought, mm. wow, I'm gonna have a crack at this, right? I'd left the corporate world, done that for twenty odd plus years, and and really had a go of it. And yeah. We had about 25 guys in the studio. It was, it was cool, really funky, kind of cool thing. We are building a couple of games. Uh, built a Monkey King game and also a Japanese license game as well. But long story short, I was, I was, I was trying to, you know, talking to a new investor at the time, this Chinese guy, right? And, yeah. you know, he's, he's well off. He owns a big gaming company and he was looking to invest into us. And he said, okay, let's get a quick bite to eat, right? And so we went to this little dumpling place near his office. And I knew something was wrong when I grabbed the chopsticks out of the bucket and everything was floating, right? He's like... Yeah, this doesn't feel right. Like the chopsticks are literally floating in water kind of thing. Uh -huh. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, you know, I better do this, right? This, yeah. It's money, it's investment, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And then, well, I'll have the fried dumplings because at least it's like fried and killed and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. I might be safe <laughs> on this whole thing, right? Fried as much yeah, as you just, can. Just, can, you over, can you fry it more? <laughs> it's just get black on every side. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I ate it that way, you know, and everything went good. We shook hands and... But, you know, at the same time, I was working really, like, you know, game development, particularly in an indie studio, you're working 18 hours a day. You're mm -hmm. just, like, six, seven days a week. Sometimes you sleep in the office. So it was just crazy. A lot of stress on the body the whole time. And I, I guess I'd run myself down at the time. And I'm sure, you know, game developers around the world have all been through this, right? Particularly indie guys have had these kind of horror moments. You know, I got back four hours later, like dumplings do. Boom, hits the stomach, feeling sick, you know, nauseous. Vomiting, you know, about at both ends basically, but I uh, kind of woke up in the morning and went, I've got to go to work, I've got the team depending on me, mm. you know, I've kind of, you know, the boss scenarios, you know, first in, last out kind of thing, and I remember taking the subway line, it's uh, line two in Shanghai, it's the main line that crosses one side of Shanghai to the other side, it's like a million people check this thing, right? And uh, it, for me, it was about a 40 minute journey on the subway, going from one to the other side, and I got to like stop, I think it was like 12 stops, and I got to like stop 10 you know the doors open up and i'm just feeling just flushed and just you know start to sweat everywhere and that starts getting closer to line you know to stop 11. i'm starting to feel like oh my god i don't feel good i'm not I'm, gonna I'm, make I'm, it yeah, just like it's not good i'm like looking at the edge of the uh, the subway inside you know they've got the metal pole that goes around you know the left and right side and i kind of edge towards that and grab onto a little bit i think i got one more stop to go i can do this right and then before it left you know stop 11 to kind of stop 12 i felt the blood rush from my feet go all the way up my body to my head and that was it <laughs> it's just gone wow. so uh, i think i woke up about five or eight seconds later on the floor i had a heavy backpack with my laptop and all that kind of stuff in the back and i'm laying on the floor i'm just going what the hell is going on right and there's all these people there's chinese people around me like trying to pick me up and grab me up and they help me up and i'm you know, 100 kilograms plus backpack. It's not easy, right? They're trying to, <laughs> trying to hook me up. And I, they eventually, the doors opened up and they got me off onto the, uh, you know, onto the, the platform. platform kind of thing. And I'm just, I'm wandering on all fours almost, like crawling out going, what the fuck, you know, kind of thing like this. 
And I, I grabbed my phone at the time, and I just flipped it over, turned the camera on, and go, I don't feel so good, right? So <laughs> looked at myself, and my nose was broken, my wow. teeth were all chipped, wow. I had cut marks in my mouth, just bleeding Jeez, everywhere down the front. First. So I must have hit the wall, dragged down, hit the bar, <laughs> the, the metal bar in the subway, Ooh. and then just going like a sack of potatoes onto the floor, Jeez. right? Wow. But then I, I got there, and I'm going, oh, shit, this is, this is not good. <laughs> it's getting out like that, blood pouring everywhere. One of the uh, platform guys that works in the train, you know, he saw me, he comes running over, went <clears throat> like that, you know, ran off. Thinking, oh well, he runs off, he gets a police guy, one of the uh, the Shanghai police guys. The police guy comes back and goes, couldn't speak much English, my Chinese was a bit broken at the time. And he goes, okay, okay, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And he went and got a wheelchair for me. Uh -huh. He basically grabbed me, picked me up, put me on a wheelchair, took me up, you know, up the, uh, the elevator to the, uh, to the top street, called an ambulance for me and sent me to the hospital. Wow. I was like, wow, this is great. You know, this is really, really That's a That was the story. beginning of your time in no, Shanghai? No, no, that was probably about halfway. It was only a oh, wow. few years back. And then, uh, you know, I, I went to one house. Have you been eating dumplings since? This is, this is, yeah, not really. <laughs> it's kind of a repeating story because I ended up going to a Western hospital first. They were like, yeah, we can't quite treat you. We're not quite sure. It was a different scenario. Like, nah. like I went like, seriously? So they put me, they said, like, they were they applied. They said, you should go see a specialist. Uh -huh. Right. So they put me in another uh, ambulance, which was about a 40 minute journey to a public hospital. It was in Songjian, which is the outside of Shanghai. But it was really good. Apparently, it's like one of the best hospitals I've ever been. Huh. Everything's brand new. It's massive. They've got doctors everywhere. They had a VIP ward kind of thing that you could go in there. And they just had every machine you could ever figure, right? And it was also where they teach the doctors of, of Shanghai are taught there. So it's also ah, a school. Okay. Right, so just beautiful facilities. And of course, they did all the scans and everything was okay. And just, it was uh, expensive dumpling. <laughs> yes. Did you get that deal? I had insurance. So it was a pro, guy that pro tip if you're here, guys. Insurance. insurance. Oh, that's another whole topic. Because you <laughs> never know if you get hit by a dumpling, right? It's right. just, it's just like, <laughs> like China. The, the bill you was... You may get hit by a dumpling. Bill yeah. Was, yeah, the bill was, was way up dumpling. there. So, uh, so, so Shanghai, I want to know more, a little oh, bit Shanghai's more about awesome. Shanghai. Shanghai's Shanghai is awesome. awesome, you're saying. It's, you know, I, I've lived in Tokyo, I've lived in Europe, right. and obviously Australia and, and things like that. Shanghai today is probably the most modern cities I've ever been to. It is not what people think. It's just, uh -huh. it's this clash of the old, you know, the old China with the old French in there as well and the old English. And then you've got this kind of new, you know, super, like you know, the subway modern. system is just modern, the buildings. It's got the second tallest building in the world now. Huh. Um, the the beer is, open air? Yeah, no, no, the, the one next to it. The, uh, no, that's the, one? The, the, I call it the rolled up newspaper. It kind of looks ah, like that. That's, that's <laughs> a new, newer one. You've got right, three right. buildings. You've got the rolled up newspaper. It's called Shanghai Tower. You've got right. the, the bottle opener. Right next the, to each other, right? Which is right, right next, next to each other. Looks like a giant bottle opener. And then you got the other one, which is like King Kong building, right? It's just looks like out of King Kong. And <laughs> yeah. they're, they're just magnificent How about the tower? Buildings, right? How about the tower? What's the name for that? Shanghai Tower? It's good. Shanghai yeah. Tower? Shanghai Tower. Do they have any, like, uh, <laughs> do they have a, a, nothing fancy what do you call it, a skywalk? Do they have anything they, there? I think, like uh, Macau? Yeah, they do. They've got, like, an observation deck. You can right. go to the top there and just, you know, you're... You're above the clouds. Mm. You, know, you're, you're, you mean on the tower? You're way up I walked there. in the in the beer uh, opener. I walked there. Ah, yeah, yeah. The, the bottle opener yeah, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. The bottle that, opener, that's yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they've yeah. got the glass floor you go across. And right. Have you yeah. done that? The, yeah, yeah, uh, the yeah, yeah. tower? Yeah, yeah. The tower. Did they have like bungee jumping or stuff like that? Because in Macau, <laughs> they had a zip line. And it was the... Bungee jumping and a zip line. The highest uh, bungee jumping in the world. It mm -hmm. was Macau. Yeah. What, what yeah. about um, the cost of living in Shanghai compared to other places? Australia, you came from Australia, right? Come before Australia. Japan yeah. too. Yeah. So. Look, it's 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 interesting. Like branded goods are expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get like Gucci's and, and Louis Vuittons and stuff like that, yeah. Because you got all the, the duties and imports and things like that, they're more expensive for branded goods. 
these days it's come much down, right? Because mm-hmm. they're now doing a lot more local manufacturing. And but you know, 12 years back it was, or even eight years back it was expensive. But local living was great. Uh-huh. You know, you can get like the food's really cheap, the transport's really cheap. You know, you go out and do stuff is all pretty cheap. And you know, to be honest, if you want to find cheaper clothes and stuff like that, there's, you can. there's everything. You can find this everything. This is China, really, right? Yeah, you can find everything. It's like. I mean, like, hundred levels of everything. It's getting expensive, <laughs> but you can still walk to a side street and and eat you know, some local food. The I can one, eat, I the can one eat for fifty cents for breakfast. You know? right, <laughs> it's right. crazy. The so. one level that I've never understood is those Chinese brand that, that are very expensive and they came out of nowhere. Like they said, like since two thousand seventeen. Right. Like, <laughs> All right, yeah. but a thousand Since for a t-shirt. 1875. <laughs> how about how about I've seen those restaurants? Those, how those about the rents? How about the the actual uh, look, necessities look, look, of living? Shanghai is is now much more expensive. It's it's like also Australia is expensive for living if you rent a place. So it's it's right up there. Um, it's all relative. If you live out in the outer suburbs in a smaller apartment, it's going to get cheaper. If you want to be downtown. But in Shanghai, it's wherever you're close to a school or close to a main subway line, price goes up basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it doesn't really matter talk, so much about view. You guys talk else. about food. Do you guys want to order yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe door? we get some uh, some eggs? foods. No, yeah. yeah. Don't you don't don't stop. Yeah. Just uh, we we'll get some. Yeah, we get love, some eggs and uh, bowls. No, 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 no. I'm gonna what? get the the fried dough thingy, which I like. Oh, the fried dough thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's like Hong Kong style, kind of. Uh, that's my favorite, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> the, the food down here is way different because Shanghai is it's Shanghainese food. Yeah. And you also you get a mix of just foods and restaurants from all over the world, right? You can I can find anything in Shanghai for food. Right. But coming down to Dongguan now in the last couple of years, that it's you get used to Cantonese food. So and it's more right? local, you so mean? There is less uh, Western <laughs> food variety. A little bit less here where we are living compared to Shanghai, um, but uh, you, know, you do get the varieties of all the Cantonese food that's here. Right. So I mean, you moved you moved down so. south uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, about two years back, yeah. Um, why? Why was that? <laughs> I'd like to say sea change, but we're not yeah. we're not near the sea at all. Yeah. Oh, okay. We got some right. uh, so some local uh, kind of. Okay, this is for you guys. I don't <laughs> right, do this. I'll, I'll take one of the eggs. You don't do that. Uh, no. It's eggs, brown eggs. They're brown because they they were uh, cooked in tea, right? Yeah, the tea eggs. <laughs> these are good. I like these eggs. Yeah. All right. Me, Go everybody. through the experience. Can I, can I have one of these tea eggs. There? Move the coffee away so you can <laughs> actually you see the whole. Oh, you want to see the yeah. tea eggs here? They they drip everywhere. It's much better than it looks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I was I was doing this really good every day, but I can't do it. So you actually have them in every morning, two eggs here, but yeah, just under your office. Yeah, I, I go on the gym for an hour every morning. So uh, this is your routine. You come here yeah, for coffee and. <laughs> you guys have got me in my routine, basically. Yeah. Tea eggs. <laughs> drop, drop the kids off to the bus to school. Go hit the gym. Um, oh, that's not we try if we try him off today. He gets his third egg this morning. Third egg for the extra, extra protein right. today. Come down, get the coffee, get myself sorted in the mornings. Mm. It's a bit like, you know, if I was in Melbourne, I'd probably do the same thing. Go to a coffee shop, you know, mm-hmm. check your emails, check your schedule for the day, get yeah. everything you know, ready to rock and roll for the day. Um, what about gyms? Um, gyms. What do you think about gyms here in China? You know, it's 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 a new trend that's happened here. I mean, China hasn't been very big on, on a lot of that type of stuff previously, although they do a lot of exercise here and, and a lot of different sports. Gyms is something that's much newer, so you get... You get some commercial gyms, you get some good gyms here, you get some just terrible gyms there, you get some good trainers, you get some bad trainers. It's still, it's still to me in its infancy area. It's got a lot to grow, but they're everywhere. You know, this is have, you, have you been with the same gym for a long time or have you hopped around or what? Oh, I've had to hop around a lot. God, I've made a how do you How do you choose a gym in China? Uh, and it's, is it different than back home? Yeah, well, for, I mean, for me, I try to, I mean, definitely looking for the right kind of weights and exercise machines and stuff like that. But because I'm a bit of an early bird, I get up early, 
you know, I'm up at like 5.30, 5.45 kind of thing. So I look for one that's actually open. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, that's kind of rare here. Mm. <laughs> a lot of the gyms just, they haven't cooked, you know, got onto that. I did have a gym last year, which was a 24-hour gym. It was great. A great exercise stuff. I could go in there early, but that gym's now closed down, unfortunately. No, they went you know, down. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it can be a tough business if you're in the wrong spot. I remember during the preparation, you told us that you actually changed the business hours of this coffee shop. I did, yeah. yeah. What, what, what's the deal with that? Tell us about that, too. Yeah, I just, um, you know, I was, I was just talking to Adam and just, uh, you know, he, he had his original hours when he opened this a couple of years ago. It was like, I think it was like 10 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. And I was sort of explaining, I think you could probably do better if you open a little bit earlier because you'll get the morning crowd, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now it's a fairly bit quiet. What time is it now? It's about 10.30. But, you know, a couple of hours ago, this place was packed out the front here. Uh, mm. A lot of people do coffee or deliveries and things like that. I said, you know, why don't you try to open a little bit earlier and finish a bit earlier? You know, because mm -hmm. at 10 o'clock at night, there's probably not many people drinking, drinking coffee. Drinking coffee, yeah. Now, fruit tea here in China, I can understand. Yeah. They're open like you know, late at night kind of thing. But coffee's a bit different. So... Um, he did. He changed his hours, and, and uh, now he's working. It's worked. Yes. You really wanted him to be up open early. Yeah, to so be honest, I just coffee. want him you know, to it be open for me. <laughs> selfish <laughs> it was advice. A very selfish advice, actually, to be honest. <laughs> right. And right. it worked, and it's paid off for both of us. So we're, we're, we're all right, happy tell now. Us, tell us about the egg. <laughs> so I mean. Wait. You have this uh, before? Of course, many times. Yeah, really? you can buy it in every major yeah, too. I'm not crazy about boiled eggs. You, you tried? Eggs. I only oh, eat just like boiled fri eggs. fried oh. eggs or omelets, uh, but boiled eggs. I love eggs. Mm. Soaked, Any. In, soaked in a tea, I get no idea what flavor it is, but no matter where you go in China, it all tastes the same tea flavor. Right, right. Oh, it's so like it's McDonald's. Where you go. It's like McDonald's, McDonald's like breakfast, yeah. But you can buy it. <laughs> it's great. How much it costs? How much is it? Two eggs, I think it's about like uh, three quai. Three quid. Three yen, so that's 50 cents, 50 cents US. Less than 50 yeah, yeah, yeah. cents for Less two eggs, two boiled yeah. eggs. That's your protein for the day. It's a good breakfast. I prefer this than the other, uh, you know, uh, stuff they got in those stores, like like the hot dogs. This you got know. everything I like. The fish I like balls. The, the, the fish yeah. balls. The floating fish balls and the yes, curry sauce. Yes, yes, <laughs> This one's got the dough. This one's got the, the oily thing. It's everything I like. There's choice. <laughs> <laughs> dough and oil. That's what um, you like. Okay. I should be a police officer. So I mean, well, they're just over there, to be honest. We're talking about we're talking about your kind of right uh, your kind of uh, uh, daily schedule, right? So you come here in the morning. You wake up. You said you wake up early. You go to the gym. You come here. You go up to the office, and 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 then what? What what? How a, a day? You know, an expert like yours looks like. Everybody's well, different, a, but it's different. Yeah. My life used to be. I mean, I retired out of games about two years ago. Now I do a lot more uh, manufacturing and things like that, obviously, which being down in Dongguan is kind of the home of manufacturing for, for a lot of things. So it depends on the day. I mean, it's, it's I guess, no different to being back in Australia. You know, you, you do your full day's work. Some mm -hmm. days a bit later than others. Um, the only difference I find here is that being in manufacturing and working with factories, you travel to the factories. Yeah, you got to get there. I mean, this province of, of, of Guangdong is just massive. It's yeah, it's factory after factory huge. after factory. I mean, this population probably 150 million or something like that. It's, wow. It's just, yeah, it is the biggest. In this province, it's a huge place. And what people don't realize is that there's just so many things are manufactured here. And there's literally like little villages which are devoted to like, okay, they do LEDs. And this factory does our shoelaces. And, and this, this little village over here does bricks or anything else. So I, there's nothing I can't find, yeah. to be honest, here, if you just drive. And when I say villages, I always joke about the fact that a village here is like, you know, three million people. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, what kind of manufacturing you know, which, do you do? It's like half the size of the biggest city in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like a, that's a village. That's, what kind uh, of uh, things do you guys make? Yeah, we do a lot of the uh, the retail displays now. So when you go into like retail stores uh, around the world and you see like, like Bose products or Sennheiser or Sonos and stuff like that, so 
you know, the displays that kind of hold the headphones or the sound bars or the television walls and stuff like that. So, so there's a lot of parts to source. A lot of parts to kind of create, basically. Yeah, you source the different things. It's everything from wood, metals, acrylics, all different kinds of stuff. So it's a it's a real change from, from what I've been doing for a long time. I mean, I, I love the gaming industry. Was was happy to retire and, and, and leave it where it was. And I was looking for something different. And this happened as falling in my lap at the time. And, you know, manufacturing is a, it's a good, good trade to be able to learn. You, know, you enjoy so. working with the Chinese today after 12 years being here in China? Like factories yeah. and, you know, a lot of people get frustrated a lot, right? Yeah, I think I just... Being able to change from Shanghai to Dongguan and also change industries, I, I'm meeting people I'm, I'm not used to, different types of Chinese. When, when great, did you so. move here, sorry? Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, 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 so and um, how's it been so far? Good, good. You know, we've... we've whoop, little waving things there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I got. Oh, it's the egg. You always <laughs> the, get egg the on beard, the, the beard. You always get the egg on the beard here. You, got you guys want to get that over here? <laughs> um, we put it over here. Yeah. You gotta get the the. Yeah, the bits. All right. So you were telling us about coming yeah, to so Dongguan. What's yes. it been like? It's 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 like it's it's a change. You know, you're going from a city of like 25 million plus people in Shanghai. It's a big city, right? Uh, yeah. Down a place in Dongguan, which I think is what eight million people. I think down yeah, down eight to ten. Uh, depends who you ask. Yeah, again, yeah something like that. Bigger than any city in Australia, I guess. Yeah. It's like to me, to me, it feels like going to a village. Mm. I know it's all spread out here. Um, yeah, compared to that, so like it's a change. You you have to get used to the lifestyle here, the food, the people are definitely different. Even the language is a lot more Cantonese spoken here. Yeah. Uh, then you know, again, Shanghai it's a lot more Mandarin. So you know, I, I learned some more Mandarin, didn't really learn much Cantonese. Yeah. Um, a lot know, of people, a lot of people say that the the people in Shanghai kind of look down on the rest of China. What can you say about that? You know what? I, it's funny because all my time in Shanghai, most of like the the people that I met and my friends up there, my Chinese friends. Or even the young guys used to work for me, they don't come from Shanghai. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I have to remember about it. I think it's like something crazy, like a third of the people in Shanghai are from somewhere else. You know, similar so, to Dongguan. Yeah, probably a little bit similar to Dongguan. Yeah, I mean, you do have a lot more people here. I think that there are true locals here. But I think much more than third. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Dongguan, 8 million people. Yeah, maybe I think less than 2. 1.5 or so, 2 are locals. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we used to have to do a lot of little... You know, when I had my own studio and I had like you know, 20 odd, 25 guys kind of thing, they're all from different places. Mm -hmm. And it was great because we'd have like a dinner out every now and then, a little celebration or party, and they're you know, sharing their stories from where they come from and their cities. And I just, you know, over time you realize just how diverse this place is. Like, yeah. you know, from the culture, the food, the languages, even they describe their hometown as like, I, I just, really, you've got mountains like that? Or you've got, <laughs> or you've got desert like that? Or you've got nothing, right? Yeah. Wherever you come from. It was just amazing. But everybody came to Shanghai with the hope of trying to make it, sure. trying to get somewhere, right? So they all had the same spirit. I mean, I guess kind of, I came to China the same thing, to, to grow myself, to make it somewhere. And so actually, uh, I think I've seen it here <coughs> over the years with my employees. Um, I guess you can probably confirm it. So people coming from outside, from more rural areas, are the ones that want to make it, right? They want to work hard for it. And the people that grew up right there in the city, they're a bit more Me. lazy. Mm. Is it your experience too? I guess it depends on how you push them. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. how much take you can push them till they break? I mean, it's they break much faster. De definitely, if you're from uh, a smaller place, you're definitely hungry. I mean, no matter right. where you're on the world, right. if you're in a yeah. small, you know, a guy from a country village goes to the biggest city of you know, Sydney or somewhere, you, you're definitely going to get hungry and, and try to get. The but best uh, not also, not only they 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 experience more, um, you know, the hardships, more hard work. They needed to work hard even back home. So they have the ethics. I think the yes, if you're yes. from a certain place, you yes. everybody has to work hard there. <clears throat> it's a lot um, of um, of the whole thing about going back home with your tail between your legs. 
they don't want to do that. Right. So they'll endure more things and they'll... Shanghai, yeah. Shanghai was definitely like that because Shanghai is a kind of place, particularly if you're from the tech or gaming area, like there are guys who have come from nothing, countryside somewhere, young tech guys who have now got multi-million dollar gaming companies, huh. driving Ferraris and all this kind of stuff. Like they just hit a magic game, but they came literally with very little. Mm. You know, you've got these stories that exist out there of, of a few people who really made an, an indie sensation. You mean they came from rural areas? They came from, you know, somewhere somewhere else outside of Shanghai. Not people from that grew up maybe without a tier the three city. And, you know, they've come there, they've worked their asses off, they are, they, they build a good team and they just, you know, made it. Their studio got, got bored or the game did really well. So there's a lot of great stories like that in the gaming industry. That's what I liked about the kind of gaming culture in Shanghai. Do they have, is it um, like, you know, I guess 30, 40 year olds Chinese now? They did not grow up with computers, right? I mean, it's bit. They were a bit later than us, let's yeah. say. Um, does this uh, does this show with with people working in the industry? That's a good question. I I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these days, like the the Shanghai gaming community, they know up there. They're probably now well into their thirties or early forties, right? So, they were. No, like gaming culture exploded like 12 years ago, right? And, and everyone was like, I'm going to make a game, right? I'm yeah. going to do this, right? You know, and everyone had the kind of stars in their eyes to be able to do I that. I mean, they didn't have Nintendo when they were kids. Look, at, no, they didn't. They they grew up in internet cafes a lot of the times, you know, just sneaking down there and playing some games right, and learning right. it. Very early days of, of PC online games and things right. like that. And then when mobile exploded and became the next big thing, that younger generation who are now probably late 20s and 30s, you know, they they were really into gaming from a young age and were able to kind of you know, get a chance to, to have a go. But I mean, you go there, you get a team, you get an idea, you just got to get an investor. That's all you really need to get going. Yeah. You know, it's hard to bankroll yourself, but if you can get someone who can believe in you and do that, then there's a chance. What, what do you think about, I mean, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of news, right, about those uh, <clears throat> places for, um, for kids that are addicted. Oh, yeah. To games. games. Oh yeah, you mean like those like those like soldier camps they send them out? Yeah, to yeah. Like I mean, that. yeah, yeah. It's it, like, it did. It had a had a hard time. Like the China's really cracked down on those regulations in the early days when they had people were allowed to spend too much time in the internet cafe, and they were getting so addicted to it there was problems that were happening, right? You know, social problems, stuff like that. But you know, the government, as it does pretty pretty effectively here, it cracked down on that. Now every game here has to go through a stringent kind of process to, to make sure it's got anti-addiction behaviors in the game. Oh really? Oh yeah. Which like, is like the opposite of what the gaming company wants to do, right? Yeah, well, it, yes and no. I mean, the gaming company doesn't want to keep you there for like eight hours stuck to your chair. We just want you to come back every day and spend kind of thing now. But uh, so, the, you know, you go to internet gaming cafes, they can monitor. Everyone has those Chinese ID cards. They can monitor who you are and where you go. They put regulation stops on certain games to stop you playing too long at a certain type of game. It's, it's, it's made a good effect. It's helped, definitely. So, definitely so you think game, gaming addic addiction is, is very serious? Yeah, I think it, yes. I, well, I think it, like it's like anything in the world. It's, if you get the wrong person who doesn't know how to control what they do, then you know, it's, it's right. like anything these days in any culture. Right. right. So, right. Uh, but you know, the government took notice of it. They took a few, you know, a few issues that were going on and they stamped it out. But yeah, I remember watching some TV shows where they were taking these kids with bad social behaviors and taking them almost like this, this soldier military camp. The boot the camp, yeah. yeah. You know, touch a game, boom, you know. <laughs> Think about right. a game, boom. Right. Nobody wants to go there, right? <laughs> I wanted to, to move a little bit onto, onto coming to China with a very young family. Oh, yeah. um, and, and Chinese uh, education or Western education, all the decisions that they have to make 
uh, in that department. What can you share with us in terms of well, how that was for you and your your wife and your children? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I mean, we you know we we got here and you get kind of stuck with a choice. You know, do you want your kids to learn Chinese or not learn Chinese? Mm -hmm. And I think that just by a little bit by coincidence and about what my wife and I wanted, we wanted the kids to you know if, if we ever leave China, wouldn't it be great if they spoke Chinese, right? How good would that be right. to have two languages, right? Chinese mm -hmm. language and English. So the kindergarten that lived next to our house in Lujazwe in Shanghai was a Singaporean kindergarten, which means they taught Chinese and English. So, you know, when they're old enough, you know, a couple of years old, basically, we, we took them into the kindergarten. It was convenient. My wife could take them there easily enough. And they had Chinese teachers. So that was their first exposure to getting you know, Chinese language taught to them. You know, also in the original days, I think the first couple of years, because we had two young kids, we had an AI. AI is like the, the right, maid. The the maid yeah, the AI, the maid kind of thing that came in. Uh, we had most of not living with us. We did try about a year where there was living with us, and it gets kind of a little bit, a little bit funky, you know. <laughs> it's like, hello, oh shit. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> yeah, so we, we didn't do that too much, but you know, so they, the kids from a young age were you know, listening to some Chinese from the IE at the time, uh, getting kindergarten, which was uh, learning some more and more dialect, Chinese. Some high dialect. No, it was just Mandarin, yeah, straight oh, Mandarin. Yeah, so, so um, and that gave them enough that we ended up when they went to to primary school, which is the other school next door, was a brand new experimental school, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool right because they're to explain experimental school so yeah well, what is an no, experimental school yes it's, it's basically <laughs> they do experiments they, they, on yeah, like, they do lots of experiments <laughs> 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 no more games you know <laughs> like the, no the, the the government here what it does is it, it it understands it has a fairly regimented school program across the countryside but what it, what it wants to do is it wants to keep trying to update the way it teaches its curriculum and to mm -hmm. do that they open up these um only a handful, what they call experimental, where they change the teaching style and the teaching patterns, supposedly. Yeah. You know, I don't know too much because I, I don't know how much to compare it to, but they're supposed to do that. Then they trial it for a number of years. And if it looks like it's a success and the kids are learning better, they'll roll that across the nation. They'll implement kind of, it. Right? Yeah. They'll just go, yep, that's a good thing. Let's do that. So it was still a Chinese stream, but it had some English classes as well. Um, but it's probably about 70% Chinese speaking, 30% kind of English speaking. And, uh, you know, we, we thought, yeah, let's throw them in there for a couple of years, get their language ability up there. There's a couple other foreign kids in there. Probably about 60% were still Chinese, you know, local Chinese uh, over there. How, mm -hmm. Other than the uh, more they, they English than other Chinese schools, how was the, the pressure, homework, stuff like that, that we know in Chinese schools very... It's very, very serious, back, right? Oh, there goes the, uh, back then, it was not too bad. You know, from the experimental school, it was moderate. Uh, you know, they, of course, they're young at the, you know, grade one, grade two, grade three kind of thing. It wasn't that bad back then at the, yeah, that particular school. But I, you know, I can understand from middle schools and high schools, it, it gets much more brutal here what in the system. What time was the? What time did it start and finish? Uh, probably like eight something in the morning, and they'd probably finish around four something. I think it was. So kind of similar school. to, to yeah, it's. You know, they get up and you know, it's, they all do the exercises here in the morning. Mm -hmm. if you guys have probably seen the schools. Yeah, yeah, you have this, 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 this music that goes on that echoes across an entire suburb. Yeah, there's the flag raising, the kids are in the calisthenics and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's kind of crazy and they do that and then they get into classes. In the school right now, our kids go to the same school. And they told me, my kids told me that when they do the flag, they do the anthem, the foreigners don't have to... Yeah. 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 They actually yeah. told the foreigners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, don't they don't have to. They don't have to. Yeah. yeah you don't it's have okay. To. Yeah, it's okay. Which is kind of. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, pretty need, understanding. Need like to that. kneel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, guys. Um, do we so. take a short break and then we come back with, um, well, more of Jim or Tim? Tim Page. <laughs> <laughs> James Bond. 
getting getting noisy in the back there. I got the got the group going on back there. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so this you, is you get used to that. Though. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is the thing that in China, right? People are really uh, loud. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and in the beginning, I thought they're upset. Yeah. You know, on the <laughs> phone, right? They're talking to someone on the phone, and they get really loud, and they're just talking. They're, yeah. saying, they're not upset. Mom, they're you. not fighting. <laughs> yes, mom, I, fr- I forgive you. I love you. I love you. But if you're gonna love her, don't hit her. <laughs> the taxi drivers. Yeah. Oh, I love taxi driving. Talk, talking <laughs> about taxi driving. Actually, that's a good topic. You know. Taxi uh, driving is good. We, we all drive now in China, but yeah. I I only drive the last seven years. I've been here 13 years before without driving. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, 10 years before. How about you? You did you drive from the beginning? Uh, no, I. I, I Probably about halfway, or I think. Oh so you did take taxis. How about you? I, I did the taxis. I, right? I had a driver. You had a driver. Uh, the school oh, gave me living a driver. the high life. No, 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 no. Well, because you're an idiot. I had a chauffeur. No, no, no. Basically, it was a driver that took me everywhere. Right, so you didn't do and much yeah, taxi. And at the second or third, second year, I bought a motorcycle. So I so never actually oh, okay. took taxis. Didn't do taxis. The only time I took a taxi was when my father had a heart attack. And I told my boss, I need to oh. go to the Shenzhen airport. Oh, wow. He took me to the Shenzhen train station. Okay, one-time taxi, that's... Uh, and and wow. you got yeah. zero Gosh. out of one. Yes. <laughs> so how was your... Ta- t- I mean, taxis are... Ta- well, I, before first, Didi, yeah, yeah, I, I mean... Was, yeah, before Didi, like like Uber kind of thing. I was yeah. I was taxi driving to work in Shanghai all the time. Yeah, right. take, under, it goes under the right. river, right. across the right. other side. So I think I practically learned all my Chinese from taxi drivers. Right. So apparently I speak right. like a taxi driver, <laughs> right. which is kind of... I do this now when I go to get, go to the garage, right, to get uh, fuel in the car. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. You sound like a taxi driver. I just said to me like this. Like a, did you have and the guy always nods and understands, right? You know, I got like, you, man. I got it, dude. Yeah, so bro, I got you. Man. So you have a taxi driver that speaks Chinese to you, and then you All say the Tibutong, and then they write in Chinese? And yeah. You? Did I, you have that? I, I tried to struggle in kind of caveman at the very beginning. You yeah. know, just trying to, ask, you try to write it down the best you can. Say, so like, just take me here. Go left, right, straight kind of right. thing. Um, yeah, I got lucky. Like I never had any bad taxi experiences. That wasn't my own fault. Is it the same in Shanghai? <laughs> I remember when I used to take taxis. Which, by the way, taxis are way cheaper oh, in China cheaper, yeah, than yeah. the West. So I, I thought it's great. I take yeah. taxis all that's, the time. Back home, I don't. That's because they have no seatbelts, right? They, 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 no seat belt, they smoke in the car. They whatever, right? They don't do that now. Not now. They, they used to. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, used they used to. to. Yeah, they yeah, used yeah. to. It got much better. better. But uh, I remember when, <laughs> like, torpedoes. it's five, six o'clock, right? Mm. I don't know if it's the same in Shanghai. Mm. It's five, six o'clock. You want to go home. You were trying to get a taxi. They just don't stop. They are available, but they don't stop. they ask you where are you going? Yes, where are you? going i was like what do ah, you yeah, mean yeah, you're a taxi i go wherever i want i yeah, go in yeah, yeah. and you know sometimes <laughs> arguments <laughs> right? you get know what australia is exactly the same <laughs> they ask you where are you going or if you're male at nighttime on a friday night no i'm not taking you right oh really it's, it's oh god same. yeah it's it's pretty bad in, in australia like many times i've had to walk home in melbourne from the casino somewhere <laughs> I'm like i just can't get it can't you know so you don't, don't want to get drunk as you're coming out yeah they don't want to take you trouble basically because you're a dude or you know you live the wrong direction and they're like but it's but are they allowed to refuse I guess so. But here it wasn't <laughs> because of that. It was just like, no, I'm going off my shift and it's not in that direction it's true. or there's whatever. A, there's a certain time of night, like six or something like it is, yes. where they go for their dinner. You see them all like lined up to get their dinners. Right. They're just like, no, 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 kind of thing. Right. No, not only that. It's also that they're going to hand uh, the car to another driver. Yes, true. yes. True, so, true, true, and yeah. if they're late, then there's penalties. So, like, I, can't, I mean, if you're going that way, I'm yeah, going that true. way to hand off the car. So, yeah. But the misunderstanding, the language, is just getting oh, got me upset. Yeah. You just know? don't want to take me. Yeah, they don't want to take me. That's that racist. I, I, yeah. I used to get upset by it, then I just realized, you know what? They got a job to do, they got to work kind of stuff. The, the part that got me the most was when it rains. Yeah. Right? June like like in Shanghai, oh. when it rains, 
the entire city gets a taxi. <laughs> it's just like everybody. And, and, and no taxi. Like I've sat right. there and I'm like an hour just going, I ain't going to get a taxi, right? It's just, <laughs> right, right. It just it's ain't going to happen. But yeah, luckily now in Shanghai, they've built more subway lines. So you can mm-hmm. literally just traverse the whole city now and go anywhere. And that's why we bought cars. I mean, well, I think part down, of the reason. Down here, right? yeah. When I moved down here a couple of years ago, I already had my driver's license in Shanghai. But I didn't drive too much up there just because the car parking is expensive. But coming down here, you have to drive, you know, if you're particularly like out of the factories and stuff like that. So it's it's an interesting experience driving well, what, what, how do you How would you describe driving in China? Wow. it's uh, you, you get different kinds of drivers. Right. You, you, you get the guy in the Merc that just doesn't want to indicate and swerves and goes like 140 and just thinks mm. he can just go all the way through. Then you get like the newbie who sits in the fast lane and goes like this about you know 60 kilometers an hour yeah, traffic banging on his nose. Then you get the and most of them just looking at their phone and oh, yeah, very you, slow. You get, you get the phone lookers. The you get, sense then you of get the safety that uh, slow the, speed gives you. Yeah, yes. the yeah, ones can, that scare me the most is the bus drivers. Uh-huh. Right, because right. they they just kind of turn without looking so much, and they're like a long wagon. They drive a bus like a car. Yeah, truck drivers are good. They drive a truck like a truck, right? Yeah. <laughs> but a bus driver is like they think it's a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> there are hardly any stop right. signs that people actually obey. The stop signs? Here? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, right? It's like uh, this, this. back home there are a lot of stop signs. Actually, I don't see many stop signs. Yes. <laughs> it's usually yeah. a traffic light, or it's gonna. I mean, right? you see so. my eyes rolling like. I don't remember the stop sign, right? Yeah, I, it's I, got the zebra on like... I got one I can remember in my head. It's an actual stop sign and nobody stops it except for me. <laughs> for me, for me, I, you know, I get used to it. You, you adapt, you know, I get used to it and I you just adapt uh, myself to drive le- not like them, but, you know, while they're driving on the same road. Someone like my wife cannot. I mean, she just every well, time will say something. She's like... She didn't even look like a driver came from a side road. Yeah. They don't look. They yeah, don't look. They, they just yeah. go, right? Yeah. But I'm like, I don't even... Look, the way that I say driving in China is like a video game. Yeah, expect the unexpected. Like, yes. he's going to do something stupid, so I'm just yeah, going to go this you, way. He's going to do right. something ridiculous, so I'm going to go... Yeah, so you just you're always kinda, like, you just kind of guess it. And kinda, yeah. You know, a good driver should expect the unexpected exactly. in any country. Yeah. That's a good driver with always alert, right? But in yeah. China, it's but, heightened. But when yeah. you're on the main road like that, and you see them trying to pull out, and they yeah. don't look... Because what it is, is that, like, for an Australia, you, you are taught to turn your head to your chin. Yes. Because there's always a blind spot, right? right. So you always got like that, and you're like that. In fact, if you do not do that, you're, you don't get your test, right? They just don't but here, they're taught to turn their head slightly and look at the mirror, but not actually turn their head. Yeah. So that's the why... blind spot is totally... Correct. Right. So there's a lot of people getting the blind spot, so... Uh, but we know it already. So we're like, we see someone coming, we're not like... We know we have the right, but we're still going to be like, oh, okay, let's see what they're going to do. Yeah. Right? But I'd say at 12 years here, I've never had an accident. So touch wood. But never had an accident yet. I've seen some never accidents. Had one. Uh, look, there's a lot of rear-ending because they just yeah, get too close bender, to each other. Fender, bender. But the one thing I do like here is, uh, is you know when it's pouring rain here, right? You're in the, yeah. in the traffic. They put their hazard lights on. Yeah. Right. And when I they first do. saw that, I'm like, what the hell are they doing, right? But I, like, that, I think that's a great a idea. It's a warning to tell you that it's it's either really rainy or if they're stopping quickly, they put their hazards on. Yeah. Which is great because sometimes you're speeding up, you don't know over a little bit of a dip or something that there's a lot of cars that are like slowed right down. Yeah. And that's where accidents happen. But they'll actually courteously put their hazard lights on. Also I, to, I love to, it. I think it's to increase visibility. Like yeah. really yes. they need so a lot hot. of protection. They know the when other first, drivers are also Chinese on the road. When I first saw that, when I first saw accident. that, I was like, "Well, that's smart. That makes a lot of sense." And I started doing sense, it. Yeah. You know what else I started doing? Like the whole Japanese one, uh, when somebody actually lets you 
uh, in, for example, yeah. you made a mistake and you go, oh, can I go in? And then they people, flash the, the hazard lights for a couple of times. People are pretty courteous like that. You. In Australia, they'll never let you go in front of them. Mm. They will fight you to the death. Oh, really? They don't even fight you. Oh, God, yeah. Really? Like, if you've got a couple of cars. Because here and they like, do it. And you're like, I want to cut in. Like, here they're pretty good. Like, uh, you know, I don't I'll think find, so. I find one and two for me just goes, yeah, no worries. As long as you push your bumper in front, they're like, yeah, no problem going there. And there's no arguments. There's no screaming. You're like, no, in there Australia, is no screaming. They go there is no, nuts. There is no road rage. Absolutely. No, no road rage. You've oh, never there, seen it here. Uh, here. Depends. I've mm. seen. I've you've seen it? But not Damn, much. Have you seen it once? <laughs> I've never no. seen it here. You know what really pisses me off? The guys who, who drive on the surface lane on the highway like there's a traffic jam there's why been someone an accident. going backwards <laughs> just literally was and they get on the service they've lane. obviously got on the freeway and they've gone no it was a ramp on ramp going on the freeway they're going oh my god i've got on the wrong ramp and then it's uh-huh. turned around and driving back down the on ramp seen those videos too no but these guys are like they think they're smarter than the rest and then everybody starts following. So what right. I do, and my ah. wife absolutely do, do, hates do, do, me do for this. Do you gravitate a little bit to the right? You, yeah, so yeah, I put half my car in. Like, bing, bing, bing. Like, just what do, you going to do? What you going to do with the rest of your life? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's and that's how road rage starts. Let them, let them <laughs> They love using the... Good job, uh, Fernando. You've just brought road rage to China. <laughs> Nice right. work, bro. <laughs> nice work, man. I mean, but you, you have to, you have to, you have to adapt. You have your personality. You have to be like. Uh, That's fun, though. Come, you know, you have to because you're just gonna, you're gonna get road rage mm. with the way you they can. drive. You, you yeah. can. Some I've seen some people get, uh, particularly Westerners, they get can get the bit of road rage. Right. If you just relax, you just drive, you just plan your time, yes. you're fine. It's but is it is it is it the uh, okay? Why do they drive this way? I mean, one theory uh, which I believe in is. Um, I mean, okay, US, they drive for 100 years now. Uh huh. You know, Australia, probably similar. About I don't the same. Know. In China, they really drive 20 years. People have cars, I mean, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's such a young it's driving yeah. culture. Cars are mm-hmm. like having a lot of cars. Now you look around, there's cars everywhere. Everybody has a car. Yeah. But 10 years ago, like, none of my Chinese friends had cars. <laughs> they just like, oh, I can't afford it. There's not many cars here. Yeah. A lot of the brands were imported, super expensive. It was hard to get your license. But Now you can get a now, car for thir- a brand new Chinese car for 30,000 RMB, which is what? It's like $5,000, $5, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you well. know, I, I we have Chinese cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a nice Chinese car. I have a common <laughs> Chinese car. Build, build my dream. Build your dream. Yeah. But uh, um, you have a foreign car here. I got a Kia, but it's Kia. all made here. Yeah, they're all, they're it's made in China. Yeah, yeah. Most of foreign cars now are made here. How long does it cost to maintain a car? Cost. Yeah. To maintain, cost to maintain a car. The service, right? Gosh, I, yeah. I guess it depends if you go to like the, the dealerships to get it uh, serviced or not. Like mine's probably a couple thousand a year. I think I think if you change R&B. the oil, when you change the oil, it's only like 280 RMB, the actual oil change. Yes. My oil changes are more into 700. Yeah, but how often do you do it and the different car? Yeah, it was a Benz and it would charge about 700, yeah, 800. Yeah, I mean, you probably use better oil than I use for my BYD, <laughs> you know, probably, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> I put 92. Uh-huh. You, you didn't put 92 in your Benz. No, 95, 98. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. 95. That's, that's the, 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 the octane good. on the gas <laughs> right, that we buy. Right. Yeah. But gas prices are also quite cheap, right? Now, now it is, yeah. It's just yes. dropped way down. Now it's even more cheaper. Yeah, what is it now? It has been cheaper. It's uh, six, right? Like it used to cost me about 350 RMB to fill my tank. Right. Now, like 250 RMB. So I'm saving about 20 bucks now uh-huh. compared to six months ago. What yeah, is it in Australia? Uh, I don't know, to be honest, right now. <laughs> yes. I remember when I used to go there, it's like expensive. I always right. need to like do the really calculation expensive. because um, uh, in Colombia, they sell gas by the gallon. Here's by the liter. 
So yes. I'm like, yeah, uh, uh, multiply by five. Uh, how you much? Ah, yeah, you do gallons? Oh, you do yeah, gallons. I don't know gallons. Yeah, yeah. I know liters. What do you, you guys do? Yeah, we do well? liters. What yes. about Australia? Liters in Australia. Yeah. Liters as well. Yeah, yeah. So we only. And, uh, and another thing here is the uh, like the GPS, right? Yeah. So I oh. use Baidu. Uh huh. What do you use? Apple. Apple. Apple is like I. They actually it works in China. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they they buy their data from a Chinese company, so they can okay. get all the stuff like that. Right. But I, like I go to new factories around Guangdong all uh -huh. the time. Like it's a giant state, as I said, right. earlier province. So like, I can find every like I just I type it in there, or they send you me. You can actually find. Yeah, them. or they send me a, a pin. Right. As you know, through through WeChat and, and stuff then you like open that, with and you just open it on Apple Maps, Apple Maps, and it just, it's perfect. I've never gotten lost. But do here you ever. need because I don't use Apple uh, phone? Do you need VPN to use? No. That's the thing. No? You no. don't. No, Google, you do, all. right? Google, yeah, forget yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Apple Maps, yeah, no, they're Apple's. You know, they're, they're but I still think that Baidu would be uh, uh, more accurate, being well, local. Did you know that they have the uh, new satellite system? Baidu? Uh, no, China. Oh. China, they developed their their own GPS system that is top notch, is way better than anything else out there in the world. Like like two weeks ago, they were uh, releasing some information about that. Yeah, yeah. It's got I, like, it, like four four satellites more than any other network in the world, and it brings it down to like three or four meters wow. um, yeah. difference. But what I wanted to say is that uh, in the beginning, seven years ago, when I started driving using the GPS. The Chinese roads is a bit different than back home. I mean, actually, I mean they have, uh, I think, very extensive, uh, you know, uh, road uh, uh, roads that highways, you know, and yeah. and, and a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of uh, kind of uh, complicated junctions and whatever. Uh. And it took me a while, and I made a lot of mistakes with the GPS. And after a while, I got used to it, and 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 it's easier. But in the beginning, it's did you find that too in the beginning? No, not too bad. I mean, uh, in the beginning, yeah, a little bit. These days, the GPSs are awesome. Like, I've been able to navigate to some amazing places here that, that you wouldn't be able to get to by, by bus. And or you still don't know how to get to your factory yeah. without <laughs> GPS, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, you, you, you do it often enough, you learn, right? But right. So every now and then, like, Apple will give me this really strange back road to go through, which is through <laughs> a like, village. Really? And it's here? like, it's so narrow, you get a like, like, pull this yeah. in, there's like a river next to you, and the, all the locals are yeah. sitting in their chairs with their shirts off, cigarettes. Right, having a look at you, like but this I found is some the best crazy way. ass little. Yeah, but apparently it's the best way. And, and what it does, it it bypasses you through a little village, which is in a town. That village often has those gates, you know, the fronts. So you know, you go into the village there. And super, super I just, local. I but I kind of enjoy it. I, I just learned to trust. I, I trust the map. I freaking if you think a different through. way, I tried it before. No, yeah, no, trust I'll, just, I'll go through and I'll see the, some really interesting local yeah, sites yeah. too. So. The worst thing for me is uh, Guanto. Because all the levels. Yeah, I mean, and a, you, you look at like the, the map and you get three levels. So which bridge am I what, supposed? What, or which what, ramp? Which? What, you uh, think, what, and what, if you mess it up, it's half an hour to go yes. around and get yeah, back yeah, to yeah, where yeah. you were. Well, That's what I don't like. You're talking about Canton, it's like one of the oldest cities in China. It's right. like built on built on right. built on. It's like Gotham City, man. Yes, it's Gotham City times ten. So you're right. You get on the wrong off ramp or on ramp, you're gonna spend about thirty minutes to get getting back to where you. I don't really have much experience of driving with GPS when I drove back home, you know, many years ago. Not in Australia, it's too easy. No, no GPS. So we knew the roads. It's like I know how to get to places. Yeah. It's because you live in China long enough. Melbourne feels like a village. 
<laughs> it's like yeah. a country town. It's like, yep, I know where to go. It's like, yes. off you go. But I mean, driving, grids, right? driving in China is great because it made us uh, know the country, know the city where we, we are we, much we, better, like right? From here, about two and a half hours away, we're in one of the most beautiful beach areas. Right. Little so island called Hailing Island down there that I would never have known about or gotten to Which if one? I where? didn't have a car. It's summer. I want to go. Oh, Hailing Island. Beautiful. Hainan. It's, it's, no, Hailing. Hailing. Not, not Hainan. Now, not Hainan, Sanya, but Hailing. It's about two and a half hours drive. And I from here. And one of my staff previously told me about it, local staff, and I just went, can you plug it into my GPS? And he went, I went, okay. I mean, the great thing here, when you have everything integrated to your phone, like you can book hotel, GPS, yeah. payment, everything's done by your phone, right? Mm. So literally I could just like book, book the hotel by my phone, done. Get on the GPS, just drive with the family, went yeah. down there, found this little island. It was just pure white sand, like Clean beach, white sand. What was like that? Hawaii. Is that the Maoming? No, what you told me? Near there? Which province is yeah. it? Yeah, oh, it's still in, still in Guangdong. Still in Guangdong, but yeah, not so far as Maoming, but it's kind of close to that. So going going west? I think it's uh, west. Yangjian, I think, is the main city. It's kind of almost south. It's about an hour from Zhuhai. But you mm. go to this little island, it's, it's like there's not many people there. Is Beautiful there a bridge hotels or there. ferry? Yes, or one bridge, one bridge okay. to go over there. And it's got this most amazing little fishing port. Uh -huh. Like you go there and you realize where a lot of the, the ocean fish come from is like this little seaport. Like literally you look out the old fashioned boats that go out there every morning. It's probably about 300 of them. Wow. 400 of these little fishing boats <laughs> every morning at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. They go, they all disperse out there, catch their ocean fish, bring it in, goes to the market, freezes it up, takes it off kind of thing. It's just a beautiful little place. And the water is just warm. Ah, uh, nice. Like, it's like walking to a bathtub. Like, oh my, it's clear, it's warm. You, we were nice. talking about why did we get cars, and I'll tell you, the reason why I got a car was because of my dog, basically. Right. Because I had a motorcycle. Mm. But when I got a dog, I wanted to take my dog to places and parks and beaches and whatnot. That and that's one thing that I like to do every summer, just make sure to take my dog to the beach. And that's why I was asking about this one. Yeah, but I today, but just beautiful. Really today, really. I mean, first of all, uh, today with Didi, which is like you say, that's Uber. Actually, they bought China Uber, right? Yeah. And uh, if I was single with no kids, I, I would I would probably do this. But still, I mean, of course, it's it's good to have a car, like I say, to know places. So when where you said you drive to these places to two and a half hours from here? Yeah. And uh, GPS away. What's Boom. the furthest <laughs> you drove in China? Furthest I've driven. We're probably going almost to Hainan. Like driving all the way. So there is a there is a ferry, car yeah, ferry. You yeah, can you to can. to the Hainan. We didn't go onto the island Heiko. from from yeah, but around Haiko, like almost made it all the way to that area, and then mm -hmm. came back. In. I just wanted to see the coastline to see what it was like. You know, being an Australian, you now we like beaches yeah. and stuff like that. And I was super super impressed. Like these beaches were just like like world world class type beaches. Of course, the the village there, like there's not a lot of Western restaurants. It's very yeah. local. You have to eat you know, local seafood. You go to the hotels. There's not too much well, that's uh, part of the English appeal. spoken. That is great. But you know what? Yeah. Everybody was really friendly and helpful. Like there's nothing we couldn't have done there. We found this kooky little wax museum down there. What? It's just this <laughs> crazy wax museum right in the middle of nowhere on this island. Did you find and it on the map? Uh, how did you? Just driving around. I, like, I'm, a, I'm a driver. I just love to like, okay, there's a map. Hey, guys, we're going to go to that end of the island. I'm uh -huh. just going to drive and have a look and look for cool stuff. And we saw this little wax museum. And it was like, had all these, like, you know, it's 
just it was actually really really good actually <laughs> <laughs> so, so surprised it was what, so, what kind of characters they uh had? every character you think of they had like uh, they had uh, all the super action they had all the uh, you know president xi uh -huh. they had trump they, uh -huh. had, uh, they, they had the north korean president all these kind of stuff they had uh, you know jack ma from uh -huh. Bob and stuff like that they had uh, you know uh, uh, steve jobs and they, they looked really the good. But no, but the cool thing about this wax museum is yeah. you could walk up and interact with it and take photos with it. Like there wasn't like don't touch the wax, right? Yeah. They're like no, no. You you actually walk up and sit next to them and pose mm -hmm. and do selfies and stuff like that. So we had a great time. What about you, Zip? What's the furthest you've driven? The furthest I've driven here in China, I couldn't be so not so far. I'm I think just. I think probably Guangzhou, Shenzhen. I don't know if really? I went. I don't know if I went. That's close. It's like an hour. My, my longest. Oh, Zhuhai, of, of course. Zhuhai. I got five hours is probably the longest. Zhuhai, of course. My longest so, one was Zhengzhou, which is 1,800 yeah, kilometers. That's a decent drive. That's, a that's, drive. that's two days, yeah, basically. Two you have days. to sleep somewhere. I hope it wasn't on Chinese New Year. It was on October oh, October oh, 1st, oh. a national day. Mm. But the good thing about this, I don't know how it is in other countries, mm. highways are free. Yes, yeah. yeah. Every, free. every holiday free. here, yeah. free. All and the time they're, free. they're free and they're standing. There's no movement, right? <laughs> like with the all longest the parking lot. No, what, yeah. I, what, what I do is I go like a couple of days after. Yeah, okay. And come so back a couple of days early. Because uh, it'll be extended holiday when they have the, yeah. the free tolls, isn't it? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so James in China <laughs> can get crazy, right? Like Tra during drivers? the holidays. You get, yeah, like you, you got to go early, come back late. You know, if you're going to time it around there. Yeah. Are you planning to, like some people drive to <laughs> to Shanghai? Or to, even closer, much closer to Guilin. Yeah. Guilin? We flew there one Chinese right. New Year. That was, a, that was a good trip, actually. Guilin's a... You know the place where they have the you know the the twenty dollar bill or twenty quiet yeah, bill. Yeah, yeah, the that Elephant, that Hill. Elephant Hill. Elephant Hill. Elephant Hill. You kind of got that Hill. cool view. So we want to go see Jiang. that. And we Li went. Yeah, yeah, Li Jiang. Yeah, yeah. So we went ah, there during. Oh, sorry, sorry. Elephant Hill is somewhere else. Yeah. We went yeah. there during Chinese New Year, and we thought, hell, no one's gonna go there. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all go back to their hometown. Uh -huh. So it's, it's like one of the most popular destinations in China. We went there, and there was literally no one there. Like we went up to the mountain, we went to the tea plantations, we went to all these caves, and we're like the only people wandering around. It was so great. Huh? During right? Chinese New Year. During Chinese New Year. How but come the, there was no one there? We went a little bit early uh, because people go back to their hometowns, and uh, yeah. that Yangshuo, that the city that's kind of there, is that it's not a big city, so there's not many, not many people go back there, and everyone else was going back to their hometowns at the time. Right. So we had a great trip there with not many people. I have I have the greatest story about Yangshuo. My brother came to visit, and we went. We drove to Yangshuo and he wanted to go see the rice plantations. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I went to the tourist office and said like, okay, so how does this package work? Oh, we pick you up at seven mm. and we're back by 12. He's flying the next day back to UK because he was studying in UK. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is great. So I drove him. Uh, he doesn't speak a word of, of Chinese, right? I drove him, dropped him up at seven, got on the bus, got on the highway. And then the ladies start explaining in very poor English to my brother, like, um, do you want a single bed or a double bed? And he's like, what? A double bed or a single bed? What? Yes, because we're coming back tomorrow at 12. I'm like, what? Oh, the, oh, the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> and they're already on the highway. And oh, my brother's like, no. stop the bus. I can't go. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so they stop the bus and they drop him off at a gas station in the middle. A gas station uh -huh. that was open. It was closed. It was not open yet. Yeah, Just yeah. built, but not... 
and and he said that that feeling of watching the bus, they drop him off there, and he just <laughs> the bus driving like away, and he's like, like those in horror the movies, you know, you nowhere. <laughs> he's like, come and pick me up. But he's a smart guy. He's like, look, I counted this many bridges from the entrance, so you will find me. Like. <laughs> That they didn't say that it was the next day, and he's gone, right? You've never heard from him since. <laughs> actually, <laughs> that's, actually, that's the, an the interesting, story, interesting topic. You know, fam, family for us as expats in China, family visiting us, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, some some people here been here a long time, never nobody ever visit them. I mean, uh, I've been lucky. Uh, my parents, my sisters, they've been here more times than I can count. You know, like 10, 15 times. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, your brother, you said came here. Yes, I mean he. My parents, they came to visit me about three times. They did come. Uh, okay. Each time they would stay like three months, so it makes it worth it. Right. And my brother was studying in the UK, and he decided to come down here for a month because he had some recess or whatever. So that's what he did. He came to visit me. How about took the opportunity. How about you? Uh, my mother's a regular visitor. She'll come up probably about four times a year. Oh, really? She'll come up, yeah. Four yeah, times a up. year? Yeah, yeah. She oh, loves my. it. Yeah, well, she's retired now, so she'll come up, spend time with the and kids. And she likes it. Yeah, she loves it up here. She, you know, she she'll even, you know, she's done it in Shanghai and now doing Dongguan. She'll get enough confidence to just walk around by herself, right. go to the bank, go do some shopping by herself. You know, she speaks no Chinese, of course, but you know, young people here <laughs> all speak English. <laughs> and g'day, g'day. She's, she's figured it all out, right? It's just, yeah, she's yeah. yeah, she's fine. Good, good courage. So, what, what do you, what do we do? What expats do in China with families when they come? I mean, yeah, Yangshuo is definitely one place. My sister went. Yeah, just put them good. on the bus. You know, they go there overnight or whatever. But uh, like, you know, there is always, you know, the, the pressure, right? The first time they come visit you. And I have some friends visiting me too, not just family. And like, I, I always like, guys, there's no Kung Fu in the street. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, Foshan. yeah, you know, I mean, China is Where not what you exactly <laughs> think it is. What do we recommend to people that come to China for visit, like visiting us? Yeah, well, I, I guess it depends on camp. Like for us in Shanghai, with my mother's like shopping. Let's go to Disneyland. <laughs> Let's take ah, the kids. It was open already. Yeah. Was it open? Yeah, already? it was up there. So we right. we got, you know, in Shanghai you got Disneyland. You've got the Safari Park. You've got the one of the best uh, natural history museums I've ever been in my life. Really? It's up in Shanghai, beautiful yeah. brand new in the last few years. But I mean, here too, we can say you got so, Disneyland in Hong Kong. You got uh, here, Ocean Park. Yeah, you know, here you got mm-hmm. uh, nowadays you got the Zhuhai, Changlong. Yeah, the Changlong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really nice. Yeah, that's circus. Thing is really good at Chang Long. There are a lot of Colombians in the circus, as I recently oh, yeah. learned. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it's it's. You can uh, tell by just yelling at them as, as, as they're doing their death-defying, you know, acts. <laughs> yelling at them in Colombian. <laughs> Go. Yeah, I went. I went. I went to the circus the first time last year. Yeah, it's, the, it's the, pretty the, good. The, the Chang Long. Yeah, 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 you went before, oh, right? Amazing. But look, here That's locally, amazing. Locally, yeah, yeah. I really always, cool. always took my parents to Kuyuan. They really right. love it. In Dongguan. Yeah, yeah. 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 Kuyuan Garden is really nice. Kuyuan, is it? Kuyuan. Kuyuan. The first, the first time. Really nice. The first times, I'm talking 15, 17 years ago, when my mom used to come, she always wanted to go to the Lohu. Oh, Wait, the, the product, the uh, what do you call it? You know, the, the fake the, stuff. Yeah, the, yeah. Fake, oh, the fake seven market. stories. Market. Ah, fake market. Yeah, I yeah. got sick of hearing massage, massage, and and you know those fake stuff. So I, I was like, I told my mom after a few years, Watches I'm not going anymore. Bags. I'm not going there Back anymore. Back in the time was <laughs> DVD, yeah. VCD, massage, all the. <laughs> and even they, they realized. I think people realized after a few years, uh, maybe it's not so smart to buy there. You know, yeah. the quality of the products after yeah, a while. Too, you know? yeah. The beginning the is like charming. You know, you can buy those things. It's a negotiating, right? Yeah. 100 RMB uh, Rolex. No, my right. mom loved it. Was uh, the Silk Market in um, 
in Beijing. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. Right. And the thing is that everybody speaks different languages. So mm. my mom starts speaking Spanish, and they're like, "Hola, hola, señora, qué right. quiere comprar?" Right. And my mom's like, "What? What? what? Right. <laughs> and German, Italian, Portuguese. They just learn what to say. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. You've been there? No. Oh, it's an experience. Is it? It is. Yeah. How many How many places in China have you been to? I mean, people sometimes ask me Ooh. how many provinces, how many. Gosh. Have you Have you, you think you travel a lot in China? Yeah, a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. just through job. Like I've been. Of course, you know, uh, like the north. Beijing, uh, Dongbei. Yeah, we've been skiing Harbin. in Dongbei, Harbin, uh, Tianjin, Shenyang, uh, Xi'an, all the way across then to, to the west side. You've got the uh, you know, Sichuan area, Chengdu, all that kind of mm. things. Like everywhere, even the middle, been to the middle. There's still other places I want to see. Like mm -hmm. You see famous photos like, yep, I want to go there. There's a couple of those I've still got to do on my list, but, you know, it's probably hundred places, I guess. What, what was yeah. the best one? Uh, look, I, I, yeah, I love the beach. <laughs> so it's, I so say, the one you told us Highland, about. we've probably been there like four or five times now, yeah. just because it's, gonna it's keep nice. Going. Yeah, I think we'll probably keep going. And maybe this summer we might actually do the full drive to Hainan. Because I'd like to go to Hainan Island and actually be able to drive around Hainan. I've done that. Right? So just to kind of check a few. Have you done it? It's good? Uh, I've done that. The one thing that you need to be careful with is on the highway, they change the maximum speed. And I paid a 2,000 RMB fine because I was going 120, uh, and nothing changes on the road. GPS. But they change the, no, they G change the speed to the 60. But the GPS? The GPS. The GPS, GPS always tell you, man. The GPS says it. GPS. Yeah. I, I always switch them off because I, I'm like, uh, I'm listening uh, to my music. switch on the, the sound. That's mm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Why don't we take a very, very short break, and we come back to continue talking with Team Page. Don't go anywhere. All right, guys, and we're back with Team Page. And, uh, well, Tim, you told us at the beginning that you worked uh, a lot of your life on video games. I'll have to say that I am from one of those generations that I was never really into video games. <gasps> oh. So I played I, NBA Live 95, I think, a lot 95. of that. Yeah, 95. There was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I think, I mean, I think uh, maybe the same for you. I think video games uh, is a waste of time. I would be bold saying right now. Um, <laughs> you know, to, to, I'm just waiting for to, the stones yeah. to get thrown at us. <laughs> I'm waiting, I'm waiting. For the lynching to start. I'm waiting for the punch here. <laughs> it's going to exit over this way yes. a little bit. I mean, well, uh, maybe that's a good start. What do you think about that? I mean, is it a waste of time? I'm just looking back and like half, the guys, are playing, half the guys are playing games behind us right now. Probably. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. you got, you got like 10 minutes just going to do things. Um, you know, I, I, I've always liked games. It's just the entertainment factor. Mm -hmm. I think when I was younger, I really liked it because it was a lot more skill-based. Okay. You know, I grew up in traditional arcade machines, you know, the Pac-Mans, the Donkey Kongs, and yeah, that kind pinball. of stuff. Yeah, or even pinballs and things like that. It was, it was way more skill-based kind of thing. Mm -hmm. These days, it's, it's you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, walking along and trying to collect stuff and grow things. It's a much slower process to kind of advance where it used yeah. to be a long time ago. You know, back in the days, like Street Fighter, you just fight till you die and that's it. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's all, it's all over. I put more money in. So how did you start in video games? God, I, well, actually, he's, I, my dad, <laughs> when, I was okay. in, when I was a little kid, my dad was in the Navy and, he used to, uh, yeah, he used to like to go to a pub, I guess, you know, good old uh, Navy sailor in Australia. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we used to go down there on, uh, on the weekends and stuff like that. And, and you know, he'd catch up with his Navy buddies and, and he'd go, all right, son, because he's looking after me for the day. My, my mother was working during the day. Yeah. And he'd give me a stack of 20 cent pieces and just say, go entertain yourself. Go play. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, eight, nine years old going, okay, what do I do? So I, you know, to start feeding the machines, you know, it was all tabletop, you know, Pac-Man's Galaga, all that kind of junk. And I just kept playing it often enough. 
not to say my dad was an alcoholic, but it was just, you know, he, he liked to drink every now and then, right? But I was there often. I'm like, Dad, I finished the game. <laughs> so it's like, what? Because <laughs> you do it repeatedly kind of thing. And that kind of got me into it. And then the, the next phase for me, I was about uh, 12. We, we went and lived in America for about uh, five years. And, uh, you know, my dad was posted over there with the Navy. And, you know, this back in Seattle, actually, in the, in the U.S. And uh, it was a time of 80s, 1980s, and computer programming and software was all very, very growing. And you had, you know, little shops called Egghead Software in the U.S. And uh, my dad one day just brought a computer home and said, hey, son, here, I'll, this is the future. What year was that? Radio like, Shack? Like 1984. Commodore. Texas Instrument. Before Commodore. Texas Instrument. <laughs> so he, he literally brought this thing over. It was back in the days where, where you program on cassette tapes. Everything's played on a cassette tape. And I actually That's what I had. So, yeah, I used to get in the BMX bike, ride down to the Egghead Software store, I used to grab all the magazines, you know, come back and just, like, try to learn how to code yeah. on a cassette tape. And, you, you know, you start looking and typing in, it's, you know, zeros, ones, and, you know, hyphens and all that kind of junk. Very basic stuff, but you do pages of this stuff. Then at the end of it, you just hit play on the cassette tape, and a game magically happens. Yeah. Or doesn't. <laughs> because, you know, Check you've got you know, a little syntax error somewhere, like, God, it should have been a decimal point there. Why is it not? So you spend ages trying to... Look back, forward, back, forward, like this, <laughs> just trying to find that decimal point. Wow. You know, these days you can find, uh, you know, bug finding programs and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. back then it was literally like line by line. And it was cool. But then you hit play. And then after just, just playing these games, we're able to kind of program ourselves. Then you start learning, well, if I change the number six to a number eight, the guy's head changes to twice the size or red or something like that, uh -huh. right? So it's like, oh, that's what it does, right? So that was just kind of a... Trial and error. Yeah, I was about 12, 13 like at the time. So it was programming. playing in the, in the early kind of teenage years. And then we progressed from that to a IBM PC Junior, which was the old floppy disk, five and a quarter floppies. You know, we loaded like 10 disks to play one game. Like, you know, King's Quest. Like, third disk number two. Third, the yeah, disk number two. The adventure begins. You know, you're off, you're going again. And you know, and so the next flop, you're so excited to put the next one in there. And then when you get to like disk 11, the game's almost finished. You know, so you know you're getting towards the end of it. So, yeah. so I spent a lot of time just you know playing on the PC Junior there. And that wow. was a... That was a good. That was a good machine. What was the most famous? This is end of eighties. Like, what was the most 80s. famous? What was the most famous game? Was there, I mean, there was I, Super I, Mario already, or uh, uh, I, I wasn't into playing Nintendos at that point. I was right. still playing like PC-based games. So I loved right. King's Quest. That was one of my favorite games. I could play that over and there over and over again. There was something about the Oregon the, Trail or something. Well, Flight Simulators was the other one. We were ah. just flying forever. I, know, like, <laughs> I was probably too young for that. <laughs> it just wasn't getting enough excitement out of it. So were there fighting game? Fighting game. Yeah, fighting games, but you know, when you got a little, it's a stick controller. <laughs> or a joystick. Joystick, yeah. joystick. Yeah, and it wasn't a joystick, it was like a little tiny thin stick thing. Oh, it was okay. uh, the Atari times. Yeah, Yeah, Atari. it was just before, sometime late 80s, and I started getting into Ataris and, and Commodores and stuff like that. So. At what point did it become a, a job? At what point did it become like, I want to do this? Uh, well, That's a job. well, it's funny. I, I mean, I went to university and I did, you know, I wanted to do Computers. some computing and stuff like that and, and kind of business side of things. But then I did the Japanese language on top of it purely because, you know, I, I, a lot of video games came from Japan. I had a lot of, you know, the culture of Japan and things like that as well. I, I was kind of excited by And I just thought going through university, it's probably smarter to have two degrees than one. Yeah. It has a crying babies, isn't it? <laughs> it's because of his gaming comment earlier. <laughs> so, but just... Uh, <laughs> Just, you know, I just, I thought, I guess I was pretty, you know, just thinking earlier, like, if, if I come out with two degrees, it doesn't matter what the other degree is, just have something else. Yeah. Because I wanted on. to stand out at university, because I realized, and I actually calculated it, how many people graduate out of, out of university to get jobs. And yeah. I figured out in Australia, it was like X amount of people, and how do you find a job? So how does my resume look better than other people's? 
So I just, by having that point of difference was enough to get as a talking point to get you the interview. And of course I went for different kind of jobs. I went for you know, IT jobs and like, like big giant paper companies and you know, big secure companies. But it was all newspaper driven. Like you find the job in the newspaper, then you, you send a letter in your resume and you get the phone call at home going, you have an interview. You're like, oh really? Yeah, that's cool. Mom, get off the phone, you know, <laughs> back in those days. I'm so, expecting a call. So I, I didn't, I couldn't per se say that I was trying to chase video games because there wasn't any video game jobs advertised at right. the time. That wasn't your goal. It was just kind of my hobby, almost on the side kind of thing. Right. And it just popped up and I saw an antenna went, oh, that's cool. And, uh, you know, and I applied for like, yeah, I never get this job. You know, it's too good to be true. And, and I, I went for all the job interviews and it came down to two companies. One was this giant paper company. And they were off me like a really good starting salary, good job promotions. Like, you're going to go somewhere, son. You're going to run this company one day. Kind of thing. like, wow, really? You know, built you up for the interview. Then the other one was like Nintendo and it only had seven people. You know, they, they was expanding from overseas. They had uh, only starting the, the new company in Australia to help, you know, distribute products there and stuff like that. And it's like a giant warehouse with a bunch of people, right? And it's like, <laughs> wow. And, there's, you know, salary was less. It was, you know, a little bit, little bit different like that. But I thought, wow, this could be cool. I, I liked the guy that I interviewed with. He was really cool, funny guy. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to give this a shot. This could be, I'll see where it goes. And it had nothing to do with my Japanese, by the way. No. That was just enough oh. to get to the to talk. And ended yeah. up, that, you know, we got along really well with the guy that interviewed me. Um, but, you know, long story short, I, I ended up taking the job and, and the, the thing exploded. Like you're talking early 90s. Nintendo, at that time, Sega was number one around the world. Nintendo was down here. Then they had some, you know, 32-bit technology games. You know, Donkey Kong Country. You know, going from 16-bit, then you had, you know, Game Boy Color and Game Boy Cases and all this kind of junk coming out. And it just went skyrocketing. So I just happened to join at the right place at the right time. And, of course, being there at Nintendo, I went from, like, seven, you know, eight people with myself to eventually, like, you know, 50, 100 type people. It just exploded. Wow. You know, and then during that time, because I was one of the early guys, um, I got a chance to speak some of my Japanese, although I was lousy at it. <laughs> Were there any Japanese at the office there? There was one who was a, they had two managing directors. There was an Australian one and a Japanese one. And this guy is uh, Susumu Tanaka. I still remember. I believe he still works for Nintendo today. He's wow. been there for like you know, 40 years or something. And, uh, and you know, he's he was sent down there to kind of open the operation and do this kind of stuff. And, you know, I used to, he'd invite me up to his office and just have a chat. And I would try my broken Japanese and just fail dismally at it, right? And then he would try his broken English and probably did better than my Japanese. But, you know, we just kind of had this little connection. And and uh, it was good because I, I was writing like IT systems at the time that was helping look at sell-through data. So we could optimize how many units we would buy from Japan and, and which product we should buy and how they're selling in certain so retailers. So really kind of thing. It was basically like a, what they call like sell-through system. So it looks at inventories, looks at purchasing from you know, from Japan versus purchasing from individual stuff. But it was all very raw data. I had to manually, up, you know, basically take all the sales data and stock and hand data from retailers by store, enter it into a giant like like database, database. like an access database system, and then just kind of extract reporting out of it that would give me different ways to view it. Very archaic when I look back on it now, but back then there was nothing. So I used to go into these these uh, you know management meetings, you know, young guy in early twenties, you know, at yeah. my at my little computer at the side kind of thing, and and I'd be brought into these meetings to kind of like the Japanese guy, like okay, tell them, you know, hey, go to tell them what you've learned, tell them what you've shown, 
And for the first time ever, we could see that we were either over-purchasing of certain products or under-purchasing of certain products mm, okay. and things like that. So we were not optimizing our, our how we were looking at our stock inventories and purchasing stuff like that. So then I was able to go up there and go, you know, I think we should do this and I think we should do that. And of course, all the salespeople were like, no, I don't believe you. No, that store's not doing that. Ah, it's all crap. You know, it was all, everyone was against you. Numbers on Well, I was just like, yeah, kind of numbers. And I put my graphs up and it was, you know, all kind of monthly type basis. You know, these days it's all daily, but it was all monthly. But you'd, you'd watch these arguments break out over the table, right? And then at the very end of it, then the Japanese guy would step in and he was a very smart guy, right? And he'd, he'd say a bunch of words and he goes, okay, <laughs> we move what on. What do you say? It's like, it's like, yeah, it's basically like, it's like point. Th- that's accurate. We need to fix that, fix that. And then we started doing that and it just got like the systems got better, our purchasing got better. And then... You know, that was uh, it was good. At what point you started uh, being more, more involved in <laughs> games? Yeah. Just in by the making l- of games. Just by luck. You know, we, we sat around with some of the marketing guys and we're just going, wouldn't it be cool if we made our own game? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It's like... Not just know, like, import them. You no, because back then... Like the Australian know, team. Yeah, yeah. Because back then, all the games were made in Japan. Uh-huh. Everything for worldwide was made in Japan, which was cool. We had like Killer Instinct and Donkey Kong and some really cool games, Yoshi's Island and stuff like that. And then I was like, you know what, you know, just local culture, local game, this might be kind of cool, you know, we think this, you know, we think this could sell. So we, we put a plan together, we found a local studio, a little software company there in Melbourne, and there wasn't many back in the day. But, uh, you know, we had a chat to these guys, we put our whole plan together, we presented internally, and they're like, mm, yeah, okay, all right, all right. And the Japanese guy went, okay, I'll give this a shot. And, you know, presented back to the headquarters, and the headquarters, I think we put in at the time, will sell like 50,000 cartridges. What kind of game? Right? Well, so, so we, it was a cricket game, actually. <laughs> it was okay. a cricket game. So, we, so really local culture. So, you know, can you imagine pitching a cricket game to Japanese headquarters? They'd be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was thinking either I, cricket. I thought, I thought this was from India. Or something. <laughs> but you guys but, uh, do a lot of cricket. But we did. So, yeah, we, we, yeah, we do a lot of cricket. And, uh, yeah, we pitched it saying, like, we'll do 50,000 cartridges. You know, we'll sell. And they came back. And, of course, they said, you know, if you can double your numbers, yeah, we'll let we'll you do the same. And we're like... You know, being Australians, you think they get double your numbers anywhere today. We already put a pretty aggressive number there, but to double your numbers was almost insane. Of course, you know, being Aussies, we went, fuck yeah, we'll do this. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. what's the worst going to happen? Hold my beer. We're going to lose our job. Yeah. Hold my beer, I'm going to lose my job, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we kind of went there a little bit, a little bit crazy, right? And we just did it. <laughs> Worked with a great studio there, and we, we ended up uh, putting the cricket game together, and it was, uh, it was a massive, I think we saw like 120,000, right? We wow. just we, we, we beat it, right? So. But that kind of opened the door for you know letting studios outside of Japan to start making games. games. So you guys right? were the first in the world outside, we of, the, yeah, outside yeah. of Japan. Early '90s, right? Yeah. So we right. kind of kind of cracked the egg on that one, so to speak. So uh, this cricket game still exists, like in different versions. I, or I would love to find the original cartridge. Cricket Twenty Twenty. What would you put? Well, it, well <laughs> cartridge. <laughs> God, I'd love to find that cartridge. Like I, I've got some they hold advertising. Because we actually did some kind of naughty advertising, where uh, at nighttime, like the TV, you know, in Australia, you know, streakers, right, in, in cricket. Yeah. You know, the, the guys that come running out of the girls, like they're streaking with their clothes up. It's like a, it's like a religion for us in Australia, right? <laughs> so we had these these commercials that after 9 p.m., you know, you would see the guy or the girl go running and jumping over the stumps, like it's real people who are really doing this yeah. in real life. That we tracked them down and paid them some money to like, can we make you, you know, put you up on this, these <laughs> things? Because we're trying to advertise like it's real cricket kind of thing, yeah. right? And it was oh, a cool. massive success on the advertising as well. <laughs> uh, but no, we, we didn't do a second game after that. They went off and did other things. But, uh, you know, I'd left then and joined uh, EA, actually. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah EA, EA is a big that. name. EA is... 
Well, EA always has a soft spot in my heart uh, because back in those days in the 80s of Egghead Software and getting early games, like the basketball game I used to play was an EA game, like yeah. the original floppy disk game. And I just, I remember the logo, the old logos they used to have. And and for me, it was kind of when I, I got uh, kind of poached by, by EA. They said, you know, hey, you want to come join EA? I was like, oh, wow, so cool. You know, How do you, I mean, the, there wasn't LinkedIn or something. No, How there do wasn't. How you get poached those, those yeah. days <laughs> at the pub? How do they, yeah, yeah hold my beer, I'm going there? <laughs> it's, it's a good question because I, I was in Melbourne at Nintendo and EA's headquarters at that time in the 90s for all of Asia Pacific was in Queensland, way up north. Um, but, you know, it's a small industry in Australia and you kind of get your name around a little bit and, you know, I guess they'd found out through through headhunters and stuff like so that. You get a phone call? Just get a phone call, basically, right? Yeah, they track you down, get a phone call. We'll double, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, like yeah. didn't need to, it was EA, man. I was like, it's like, right. I'm coming. You know, I was like, I just, and I just jumped on a plane, went up there and, and did an interview with them and walked out of the going, wow, this is cool, right? It's, it's some pretty cool stuff. It was kind of new job they were doing, which was looking at third-party studios. Uh-huh. So EA had its own, you know, its own bunch of studios that were making its own games, but to grow bigger, they just needed more games and they didn't mm-hmm. have enough studios. So what they would do is they'd look around studios around the world and go, you've got a cool game or you've got a cool game. And they would try to license these games and we would distribute out through EA. So my job basically was to kind of run around the world and, and find cool, games, cool right? Game. <laughs> like, what, what games did you so find? That's what I, was, you I was like in my early... Asia? What's that? That's what brought the you first to Asia. Uh, no, I was flying around. The, I was in Australia at the time, and I okay. was flying like mostly to the U.S. A lot of the game developers were over there, so I was flying to the U.S. quite regularly. And and you know, we we talked to companies like uh, you know Nova Logic, who did really cool like like flight sim, like like uh, and uh, Delta Force type games. Mm-hmm. Um, Sim City was one that we uh, we ended up uh, poaching okay. up, which so is kind of cool. So, so you we, found Sim City? How was it? How did you find a, a, a well, game? But, uh, you know, you, I think back in the day they have a lot of gaming shows, and you kind of walk around. Okay. And you think, oh, that game looks cool that game looks cool okay. and we saw that and for us we're like you know we can so we basically just walked up to them and we had meetings with these guys and said look you know we we like your game we went out to their studio we like the people that were there and we wanted to basically just pick up the game and do it what so. makes a game marketable i mean when you see all these games like now nah, that's not not i want that one <sighs> it's it's yeah what, what it's was an, about it what, what is what was it about a game that make it pop out has its potential you? luckily i don't think you ever picked a game that, that failed thankfully that I, that I ever kind of chose. Um, it's, a it's lot a of c- colors. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I really like it. Um, it. It's a good question. It's a really hard one to answer. You just have a knack for it. Like, like you have to look at it from, can we sell it? You know, where are the gamers at today? Is it not competing with something else? Does it have the right, you know, the hooks? Is it marketable? Or pillar, you know, the, the kind of pillars that are in there. Like there's a stable base that has to go into a game to make it work. And then it has to, what is its point of difference that kind of goes outside of that? And it could be a graphics gameplay. Um, and really, to be honest, we just play the shit out of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's one of the big things. You know, my, these days you have banks of testing game testers. Like, you know, you find a game and I throw it to this guy, like 50 game testers just trying to rip the thing apart. But back in the old days, it was only a, a handful of us. We just play it. Lucky I was a gamer, so I'd spend his days and nights just playing guy. I think this game is cool. So I think when, it's you got found, when you found SimCity, it was already in the market in the U.S.? or it was yeah, like they'd already had it in the U.S. marketplace. They already so had it yeah, in the so market. It was, so we kind of worked collectively with the guys at EA in the U.S. So we kind of like as a group went down there and, and played, you know, just went in there and liked it. And I was like, I think this game is cool. I think we can sell this in Australia really well. And, and, and we, we picked up the rights for kind of Australia and New Zealand and it <laughs> sold its pants off basically at the end of the day. <laughs> Uh, how, how did really people cool. uh, you was to buy a disc? What was yeah, it, it was all disc. Then? It was all floppy disc back then. Yes. Um, and and then you know I had a crazy idea out there one day. I went, 
do you think you could put some Australian icons in the thing? <laughs> just, you know, throwing the idea. Because I'd had the taste of culturalization back in cricket. Mm-hmm. Like, like, do you mind, you know, if we, like, could you put the Sydney Opera House in there and a couple yeah. other things? And they're like, in the sure. Or something. No, no, in, in the game, as a, as a core yeah. part yeah, of the game. Because SimCity is building a city, right? It's building a city. Yeah. So we asked to put some, like, cool features, like Ayers Rock and, you know, and, and icons from Australia. And we put that on our packaging and our marketing. And, of course, everyone went, that's different. That's kind of cool. So, yeah. you know, it's... I've always had a, had a very good interest in trying to culturalize games and try to adapt it for certain markets. And I'd done that even during my subsequent years when I joined THQ as well. Just getting something that's there, it's a great game, we love it, but how do you make it appeal to a certain marketplace? And always a little piece of culturalization helps. At, right. yeah, at, what, yeah. at what point do you see the game industry changing? What, are, what have been some of those corners that they turn and things become different and, and gosh a lot of turns <laughs> you know that technology the, so it's, it's quick well, right? i mean yeah d- definitely technology and, and things like that i mean the gaming engines in the last you know 10 years have just been able to do some super cool graphics right you know mm-hmm. and just even the skill levers of, of young guys who do visual effects and animation it's just mind-blowing you know you i'm playing right now as, as a gamer the, the, the new the sum of us right the, uh-huh. the, the last sorry the last of us the last of us 2 great game by the way last of us too <laughs> big fan um and just you know the, the cut sequences the natural almost ai that goes into the game you know it's almost right lifelike i think they had yeah. to do that it's just mind-blowing how the things have changed like that i i never got to do stuff like that when i was younger i was a bit more <laughs> a bit more clunky on the graphics but the society changed the game or the games changed the society you know what i mean Ooh. like what what is what do you think I, is I, more I, influential I, I, look, I'm, a, I, I'm a guy from game development so i'm gonna say game first right i'm always so gonna the game say game actually influenced like you, you look at you know GTA games or driving games or basketball mm-hmm. games or FIFA games like you know this and it's hard because every year you have to excel and push that game further you got to make a better soccer game a better things and and the gaming studios around the world have been able to do that subsequently and that keeps the players and that does influence the players as they get you know just better types of games that are out there so the technology actually game design technology like it's a group effort i can never pinpoint say it's because of that one thing you know i always think it's it's such a combined effort in game making like you gotta have great game designers who've got the vision right at the right cusp of things you gotta have people who can just create amazing art and visual effects and you gotta get programmers to make it work you know like a lot of games you look at sandbox games it's giant open world where players can run around and do kind of crazy stuff right you gotta kind of fence it somehow without letting the player know there's a fence. Yeah, right? you like can't there's go a there, lot of, Which is that. a combination of it, like the art guy, design guy, technical engineering guy, all the guys combined together to make that kind of work. Mm-hmm. And it's really just having, I guess, like a, like a soccer team. It's just, it's the perfect recipe, the perfect combination of that team to be able to make that happen. Well, what, what is the, like, you know how you sometimes people ask, what's the best, what's your favorite movie, right? What's the best game? Is there is there one or is there oh, I, I'm, least? I'm, I'm really enjoying The Last of Us, uh, the second one. I love the first one, which was a couple of, I mean, many, many years ago. This one's been in, in a delay for a while. It just mm-hmm. launched out last month, basically. So for me, that's that's still my favorite all-time game. And it's there's something about the characters and the script writing of that game. It's, it's almost, it's the kind of game where I can sit here and play it and people could sit next to you and almost watch it like a movie. It has yeah. that kind of intensity and feeling in there. I wanted to ask you a question that... that uh, big kudos uh, to the guys. It's the been game. in the, <laughs> the back of my head for some time. There is this um, advertisement that I get on my YouTube <laughs> channel, whatever, whenever I watch it. It's a game called Mafia City. Oh, okay. Are you aware of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mafia City, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and what I see with that is all these um, moral choices that they have to make. And, and basically you win... If you by <laughs> bad you know, choice, yeah. <laughs> by, by bad if you choice, become yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the worst person ever, 
what is the effect on society on this kind of thing? I mean, do you think there is? Do you it's uh, yeah, it's it's again like anything. It's it can be a controversial subject. I think the thing is, it just depends on the person who's doing it and playing it, right? You know, and mm. like anything, yeah. If I give somebody a knife, you know, most people aren't going to cut themselves. But there's always that one person out there who's just silly <laughs> going to do something stupid, right? Yeah. Same thing for gaming. I mean, we as game kind of kind of people, we try to make the games, uh, you know, more fun, more enjoyable. We'll try to you know less influence. Of course, the shooting games that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, you just you do what you can that area and just educate. It's a game, right? It's, it's it is what it is. But you're going to get someone who just hasn't got the ability to be able to kind of comprehend that and, and disengage from that sometimes. And that's unfortunately what can happen. Did, Ooh, uh, the sun finally came oh, out. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so came out. Yeah, did, yes. did, did China ch- change? That had a big effect on the industry. Ch- China took a, a much very hard stance from the beginning. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. 37 Good degrees day. here Good today. Job. Um, yeah, China took a, took a pretty serious stance pretty quickly on that stuff. I, I'm just, like, yeah, I remember when I f- first coming out making games out of here, like anything with a skeleton was not allowed, mm-hmm. right? You couldn't make anything with flesh or zombies or wow. skeletons and all that kind of Now stuff. Now you can? Uh, it, to, a, to a degree, because right. it was kind of against the culture to have like skeletons walking around and the dead kind of thing, you know, the China right. didn't really like that, the cultural aspects of that. So it has changed a little bit over the years, but there are things like that you just had to kind of work around. How about and the model of, of, of playing, uh, what they are selling and, and this kind of thing? Um, I think you told me before something about yeah. free I mean, games. I, yeah, free, free to play yeah, games. The yeah, the free yeah, games, was, what with that? That was... Yeah, I was, you know, being out here 12 years ago was the, the pinnacle point where I was able to watch it because we had offices in Korea when all the games, particularly PC games I'll talk about, they flipped over to this crazy thing called free-to-play. Mm-hmm. And I remember the time, like, every other country's going, you're insane. Like, yeah. you're gonna, so it's, like, it's, like, it's like opening a restaurant and going, I want you to give all your food away for free. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like that, right? Are and we talking like, like Angry Birds, stuff like that? No, way before that. You before know, way, that. Way before right. in the original days. This is, this is almost like uh, 10 years back. So the Korea was doing that. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of companies over there that, that really got bold. And they had subscription models every month. You pay money kind of thing. And they thought they're going to flip it. And what they found was by flipping it to free-to-play and paying for microtransactions that... Instead of having like, you know, maybe you've got now 2 million players of dedicated games, suddenly you've got 20 million players. Wow. Because it's more accessible. Sure. Like, I can play it, anyone can play it, because now it's free kind of thing. So that was the model they flipped over there, and it became such a great success in Korea. The Chinese at that time were bringing those same games, were licensing them, bringing them into China in the early days because they didn't have much game development. Right. And, of course, they then flipped from subscription for a while to, hey, let's try the same. And there's a couple of brave companies here that did that. And, again, the same effect. It went, boom, more users. Then it became interesting. When you've got that kind of many users and not a fixed you know, kind of income coming in every month from players, you've got to get creative. You know, the hooks, how to get people right. to come yeah, back into right. the game and retain them. And if you can retain them long enough, how to help them, hey, buy this or buy that or buy that. So then, you know, there's crazy ideas coming up with things that are both, you know, costume, things that people like to change yeah. versus ability upgrades versus, versus group clan upgrades, like all these different kind of stuff, you know, that, that has been around now for a long time and is in you know, games like League of Legends and right. things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the early days like that, we had to kind of play with all these kind of microtransaction stuff. And that was kind of fun, just trying to come up with the right recipe all the time right. and tuning it. I guess it keeps changing. What, what is the future of, of gaming, you think? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, you know, the last couple of years, everyone's tried to have a little throw at VR and AR, and it kind of had this little blip for a while. It just just didn't quite quite take off. It got a little bit hardcore. And I think 
I think that will come back. My own personal view is it's going to come back later in the future, but I think they'll converge. It's going to be more like a, like a mixed reality. You'll have VR and AR converge, but it won't just be about games. It'll be about everything in life. You know, you walk into a shopping center, you're wearing glasses. It's going to teach you where to shop, how to go things, go back home. It can go, you know, solid or, or, or transparent kind of thing. Like that's still, it's still a long way off to kind of make that more mainstream, but I think that's where some things will be able to go. Um, what we're seeing now, particularly in the, the big video games, you've kind of got two parts. You've always got your mobile games, which is just always mixed. Yeah. Uh, you've got some people like the churn and burn you know, in China, like, like the guys behind us that are playing the kind of the fantasy uh, kind of... Uh, you know, kind Clash of, uh, of the Clan or something? Like oh, Clash of the Clan's getting a little bit old now, but you know, a lot of the more modern fantasy games around. So, right. um, but then you've you've always got the kind of different. You've got the mobile gaming, and there's very different many types of mobile gaming. You've always got your your, your video games, and in your video game quadrant, it's always epic. Mm-hmm. You know, like like epic scenes and epic cutscenes, and just you know, high intensity graphics and volume and stuff like that. Uh, but the mobile game is an interesting space because there's still things that you can't predict that just come out and they get popular. You know, so, uh, but definitely in China, there's a much more this kind of grinding and, and uh, you know, RPG or RTS style gaming, which is still popular here. It transferred from PC gaming a long time ago, and now it's flipped into mobile gaming because phones got better, screens got better, right. graphics got better kind of mm-hmm. thing. So now it's like, speeds. I don't need my PC. Yeah. My mother doesn't want me to touch my PC because mm-hmm. she thinks I'm playing games on it. So they, you know, kids can go out and you know, play games. They go sit in the bathroom and play games. Yeah, or, or like, not so yeah, much right, right now, but you'll right. get like a, like you know, kids having tea or coffee, and you get right. five people. You can enjoy the same game together right. off a mobile phone. So, well, before it's getting too warm, right? Yeah, um, yes, yes. <laughs> I know for the equipment too. <sighs> this let's is just <laughs> let's just have uh, uh, you know a, a good ending for this. And and yeah, I want to uh, go back a bit. Like we spoke a lot about being experts in China. You were in the video game industry. You're yep. not anymore. You're doing other things, maybe more exciting yeah. for you now, right? But being in China 12 years. What is the future for you? Are you? How long are you going to stay here in China? I didn't think it was going to be 12 years. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a lot of things, like a lot of guys I know or, or, or girls that come out here, you think you'll do two years or four years. Yes, a lot of people. Four yeah. gets to eight, eight gets to 12. Oh, look, I, Nobody I come and say, I'll stay here for 12 years. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just, it's just, uh, it, it's a funny thing because China has evolved and changed so much in the right. last, kind of, yeah, let's say, decade or so that it, it's particularly the technology, it's hard to get away from that. Like uh, when I visit back to Australia, it's like, oh my God, I can't use my phone for this, or I can't use my phone oh, for yeah. that, or I can't just like order something and it arrives straight away, and I can't, like, you know, Taobao here, I can find anything that's delivered right. the next day, and, and many, so many, many good things. So many, many cool things yeah, like that, yeah. so I just, it would take some adjustments, I think, so I, I can't answer you to how long I'll stay, but you know, right now, you know, I'm enjoying You're it, okay. I think like, the family's enjoying it. Um, yeah, we're still exploring new places, right. new beaches, you know, new right. things to do, things like that. <laughs> you're so. not, uh, you're not in a hurry to leave China. Not right now. We'll, we'll see how we things go. We're comfortable. Well, we, we can't fly at all anywhere right now. So right, <laughs> right. Not right now, at, for sure. I'm kind of stuck at the moment. But, you know, there are there are times you, I, I do miss some of the Western stuff. Sure. Right. You know, I, I would kill for a Sovlaki. <laughs> and for well, people from Melbourne, people from Sovlaki. Melbourne will know Kong, this because, like, Kong, Melbourne right? has like one of the biggest yeah, Greek, Greek communities, right? Greek thing, yeah. There's like Sovlaki's ever. I just die for us. Just, just, just learn how to make it. Just learn how to make it, man. It's not the same unless it comes from a little caravan and the yeah. guys out there and he's <laughs> cutting it down for you. Another 12 years, maybe they will have it, right? <laughs> so yeah. just, right. That's what I All miss right. the most. <laughs> so, All right, Tim. Thank cool. you for. Thanks, guys.
No, no, no. Hosting us in your best coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That good day coffee shop. Good day's coffee yeah. shop. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, guys. Well, Tim, thank you very much for yeah. all this, the, the stamina, and all the great information that you've given us in terms Thanks, of uh, Thanks, yeah. living in Thank China. You. Great pleasure. And, uh, well, guys, you know how it goes. If you like the content of our channel, make sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you do that, don't forget to hit the bell button to be notified whenever there's a new video out. Follow us on our social media down here. And until we see you again, this is, of course, China. Bye-bye.